0: Ready to transform, you in the I
1: hate a storm, hell marys, I make it poor Good I ain't lying. you little giants We been defying, right? What's the cost to be the boss Breaking down the walls We all lean once the coin guitars Got the kind of action Never acting Don't need to scramble To get traction We make it happen From three fours to four three two.
0: The founder of Slapdick Podcast Slapdick uh, Whiskey Slapdick Cigars We're And the author of uh, Hit Me Now, Love Me Later
1: Ladies and gentlemen, Coach Jason Brown Drake, snow chaser Real raw and uncut
0: Coach, every time you come on I laugh, I learn something And then I fear that somebody's gonna be Incredibly pissed off He's with what sure you said.
1: All around hustler. Make no mistake about it. I've done this a long time. Try to eliminate this soft society we have.
2: There's legends.
1: Hate me wow. <laughs> hey, now, love
3: me later, like my book says.
0: This was presented by Slapdick Whiskey. Hell, Hell yeah. yeah Slapdick yeah. Whiskey's good, so are
2: the Stogies. Got some real talk, real good flavor on these things, and the burn is excellent. Beautiful burn. Okay. Yes, sir. Slapdick whiskey, Slapdick
1: cigars. Be true to yourself and see if, if if some shit changes for the for the worse or for the better. They asked me to do a podcast. I said, let's call it the slap Dick Podcast. What up, what up, what up? Real Coach JB here on this work boot Wednesday, hard hat Wednesday. Get you over to hump Wednesday with the no nonsense, no bullshit, real talk banter. Ray Show lined up today um, on this work boot Wednesday. I got good news, bad news type scenario I'll go through here in a minute. I'm fucking dead, drenched, sweating right now. Uh, I just had to uh, clear coat my fucking flagstone in 105 degrees to get it knocked out so the dogs won't go on it so it can dry during the show. And then hopefully when I get back out there, it'll be it'll be dried up. Ready to go for the Saturday's Slapdick Vodka launch party. So I had to lacquer it up. You know, couldn't have it all fucked up. So, had to lacquer it up, get it ready. And my arms are dead tired right now. It's hot as fuck. It's hot as fish grease out here. It's hot as a firecracker. Um, I will... This show... On this Workboot Wednesday, here on the 6th of July, 2022, brought to you by betonline.ag. Make sure you head on over to betonline.ag. Use my promo code Believe B-L-E-A-V, get you 50% off welcome bonus, first deposit. Um, MMA, baseball, we got a lot to discuss today. I wish they should they should put a slapdick vodka raffle winner in that motherfucker. But BetOnline.ag is got all the sports bets plus Vegas gambling online books going on, blackjack included. BetOnline.ag. Head on over there and use my promo code B-L-E-A-V, believe. Tell them Slapdick sent you and uh, get you 50% off welcome bonus. BetOnline, where the game starts. So, by the way, I'm sorry I didn't uh, release the raffle winner for the person to come on out for the Slapdick event. But um, we had to make sure the person who won could come, and they were working out the details. So the winner is actually no other than a community member right here on the show, Lucy Carrion. Slap it up. Lucy Lucy won the deal, and um, right now she is uh, booked to come and uh, hang out and see the Slapdick event. So... Lucy won, shout out to Lucy, um, and it was no bullshit, like, it straight up came up in the spinner, we just picked out of a fucking, one of those spinner things, um, and uh, and that's what it is, so, it is what it is, oh, Brad, look at Brad Salty, Brad Salty, Lucy, are you bringing the porn star Tell them no, you're not. You are going to be able to see all the videos, Brad. I'm sure the event is going to have plenty of photos and videos. And if the porn star comes, I guarantee you, I will show you videos. So, I'm just telling you. Um, she's She's bringing... I don't know if she's coming with her husband or not, but I'm only paying for her. So, I'm not sure how that works. But Lucy... Appreciate Lucy. No one's the more deserving. Lucy's been a... a de- you gotta, There's a lot of deserving people in the room here, plus on Twitter and everything. I'm glad somebody from here won it over the Twitter folks, even though some of you cross over, so I appreciate all that. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. Um, lots to discuss here on this uh, fine Work Boot Wednesday. Let me get you quote of the day first, get you started. I made this up my damn self. Um, I basically uh, put a bunch of shit together that I've thought about or heard or done or believe in. Um, And uh, I want you to really pay attention to this one hard. Listen to this one. A harmless man is not a good man. A good man is a very, very dangerous man. Who can control himself. It also is what makes the world peaceful. If you are around people who are dangerous but disciplined, everyone watches their fucking step. I know it's a long quote. I'm going to leave it ticking on the bottom, but I truly believe everything in that. Everything that I discussed in that long ass drawn out quote is shit that I believe in. And I think we've lost it in this country. A harmless man is not a good man. see a lot of you fuck soft fucks out there want this harmless man, and you think that he's supposed to be the good man. No, he's not the good man. It's the very, very dangerous man who is the good man who can control himself and put everybody on fucking eggshells as long as it's about bi- it's it's have you ever met anyone that's like a a real true alpha male who's a genuine ass dude who's real? And protects everyone around him. That's that's a fucking that's what a real good motherfucking man is. It ain't a motherfucking bitch made motherfucking man. A lot of you women out there think these uh, bitch made cats are the are, are the good men. Them are the motherfuckers that run away when a motherfucker runs up on you at a restaurant and talk shit. His bitch ass runs away from your ass. He ain't helping you. He ain't helping you. He's scared as fuck. That's what you guys want. You want scared motherfuckers now to lead us. That's the fucking whole, this whole feminine ass fucking movement you guys got going on. A lot of of controversial topics today I'm going to talk about. Um, Contrary to Belief's another one. Contrary to Belief, brought to you by BetOnline.ag, begs the question. Please understand, it's actually an ignorant way of saying raises the question. Begs the question is not a a fucking term that none of you really know what it means and you all say it to sound like it's fucking uh, important because you're smart. You're not really smart. You're actually fucking dumb and retarded for saying it. Begs the question is actually just an ignorant way of saying fucking raises a question. Stop saying begs the question, motherfucker. You don't know what the fuck it means, okay? It actually means it needs to be proved. Begs the question actually means to be proved. Um, So, you know, I don't know. Shout out to Brian Case. He's going to ask his uh, beloved uh, fiance if she will have his, uh, I guess, hand in marriage. So shout out to Brian. Brian, if she turns you down. Uh please come on the show and let us know if she accepts it, I don't really want you on the show. you know what I'm saying. I only want controversy around this motherfucker. I want her if she says no, you need to come on the show and we need to have a discussion. um I'm just fucking with you. Marcellus did not come on last Friday. he could not come on. he's got contract negotiations with Fox. He'll be on next week, so uh he'll still be back. so stay tuned. Marcellus will be on. Give us some wilyisms. Um, stop saying begs the fucking question, you dumb fucks. You all say begs the question. Now, if I hear another motherfucker say begs the question, I heard it at the store the other day. That's why I brought it up, because I'm like, who the fuck says begs the question? Um, methodology. Another fucking word that you guys say to sound smart. You're not smart. Stop saying methodology methodology is actually just with theology on the end of it. All that shit means, was just, first of all, you guys should stop using the motherfucker. It is a real word, though, okay? It is a real word. But just use method, people. Just say it's a method. Methodology means the study of methods, if you go look at it. I think it's a Greek word. And just use method. It, it, fucking methodology is not a fucking thing you need to be saying. You don't even know what the fuck it means. So just say method. Um, Say method man, motherfucker. I don't care. But don't say methodology. It's not a real good one. Slapdick of the week or the day. I'm sorry. Slapdick of the day. Before I give you the bad news of the day. Um, Slapdick of the day is this guy. We got all these fucking idiots out here. Slapdick of the day is a firework guy who lit the fucking entire block on fire, almost killed his family, and blew up the car. I gotta show you this guy. Listen, Watch this fucking idiot right here.
0: Oh, it's gonna be right there. You cannot stick it in the ground, it's not gonna work. Who did that? Oh, you, gotta, you gotta put it in the shoe. Oh,
1: I want you guys to all look at something on this video real quick um, I want you to see on the far top left before I pull it back up look at who filmed it and see how big their fucking uh, stock's gonna go up look at on the top left who the fuck filmed it peep this out show it again Christian look who it's brought to you by
4: be uh, <laughs> You cannot stick it in the ground. Oh, it's not gonna
1: work. Shit. Who did that? Oh, yeah. uh, gotta put it in the shoe. Oh, ah! <laughs> uh, Simply Safe. Brought to you by Simply Safe. How the fuck is Simply Safe? How lucky are they to get in that fucking thing? Simply Safe has to be unbelievably happy right now they got to be using that video i would be using that video in all my marketing fucking ploys right now and blowing my business up brought to you by simply safe these fucking slapdicks who just blew up their fucking whole house and people you got to be the biggest slapdick i've ever seen in my fucking life right there uh, Holy shit, man! Poll question's a very interesting one. If you're not ready to have this conversation, then don't have it. But poll question, real easy, real easy. Just go down the line. Let me know. No, co- hey, great conversation. Uh, great, great arguments lead into great conversations, right? Disagreements always do. Pro choice or pro life? Poll question. Pro choice, pro life. Which one are you? Let me know. Drop it down in the comments. I would love to know. Pro-choice, pro-life. And I'm going to get into it um, here in a minute, uh, right after I give you the ghetto word of the day. The ghetto word of the day. Um, we're going to get into the, the, the ghetto word, the ghetto word of the day, okay? Um, bleed. Bleed. Like you're bleeding, right? Bleed. Bleed. Gas is down to $7 in California. Can you believe that? How many of you motherfuckers use that word like that? I do. I do. I've used that word like that for my entire fucking life. Gas is down $7. Can you believe that? And that's what it is. Bleed is the fucking ghetto word of the day. I'm sticking to it. Um... Pro choice, a lot of pro choice in here. One pro life so far, a lot of pro choice. Interesting, interesting. Um, (sighs) Hey, each one, y'all have the right to think however the fuck you want to think. That is why we have issues in America right now. People can think how they want and have their own opinion. Why is it, why is everybody so fucking up in arms about a person's belief or opinion? That doesn't mean you have to hate the person. You should be able to have a great conversation about disagreeing. Why is everybody so up in fucking arms about it? Holy shit, man. Can you believe that? (laughs) Can you believe that? Shit. Um, Pro-life or pro-choice? Very interesting topic. Um... I want to address all the pro life folks out here listening on Spotify, Apple, iTunes, etc. Great show today, by the way. I don't know if you guys know last minute deal, um, Braden Fajoco. Uh, I don't know if Josh is in the house, but we got Braden, a Uso D tackle for the San Diego Chargers, won a national title at LSU. Nurse Court may not be in here, but I'm sure she'd be excited. He will be joining us in about 45 minutes to talk about everything from leaving Hawaii, the island, to going to LSU, winning the national title, playing with Joe Burrow, how it is to play alongside of Nick Bosa, and how it is to play with Justin Herbert. We're going to talk to him um, here at the 2 o'clock hour on the West Coast. And then at 3 o'clock, we have a special guest joining us Um. I actually was on the show with him yesterday. And uh, I will have Dan Dokic on, who runs Don't At Me on the Outkick Network, who does a big radio show. I was on his show yesterday. He will be joining us at the three o'clock hour. But I want to talk to everybody. Bree Black, I'm similar to you. Uh, Bree said, I can't definitely. Or definitively, one or the other, it's an individual situation. I do believe it's an individual situation as far as pro-life, pro-choice. I believe it's all about circumstance. I do believe you should be held accountable for your actions on getting pregnant, both man and female. Um, if you're not ready to have a baby, I think you should be able to pull your dick out and um, or wear a fucking contraceptive, right? Um, I believe you're accountable at the end of the day. You should be held somewhat responsible for that. All right? Um, Joey Bosa. I'm sorry, Mark. Um, so that's one thing, okay? That's one thing. The second part of it is, um, can you financially put that kid in the right situation? Can you hear and put that kid in the right situation once you bring him into or her into this, onto this earth. If you cannot, I don't believe you should bring that child into this earth. That's my personal situation choice. But I do have some facts that need to be heard in my opinion. All right. Mark K. Watson. I don't know what your name is, who you are. Um, I don't know what I can't do uh oh i you heard i can't coach jb well you need to learn how to i heard you somebody needs to learn you how to spoke motherfucker because you are fucking retarded whoever the fuck learns you to spoke holy fuck did you read what the fuck you wrote in that motherfucker you need to learn how to spoke, motherfucker. You illiterate motherfucker. I can I, I motherfuckers that come on trying to clown and can't even spell or use a proper pronunciation. <laughs> Who learned you to spoke, motherfucker? Goddamn retards on this motherfucking planet. We got holy shit. Anyway, I'm going to bring on some uh I want to bring up some facts that I think everyone needs to hear, all right? Um the poll question should be: Who do you think the troll is? That's what the fucking poll question is. It's, I'm gonna put the poll question on there later on. Um, who do you think the poll the troll is? Is it Gabe Gotti? Is it fucking? Who do you guys think it is? Is it, it who's Jay Michaels? Who's really those people? But anyway, I gotta break down. Um, I gotta break down some things for all you pro life folks. Okay. Uh, now I'm not anti-pro-life. Just don't get it twisted. I, I, I'm individualistic. I'm a I'm a I'm a free thinker. I'm a I'm a I'm a neutral ground. I'm a fucking down the middle. Do the right fucking thing, person. I don't go right or left. I don't go red or blue. I don't go black or white. And I hate to say I'm gray, but I'm an independent motherfucker. So. I just want to make sure you understand that. So, this is where I am with this. Lucy, Bree, uh, all the ladies in the house, listen to what I got to say. For all the women out there, I stand with you on the pro-choice because this is the deal. Um, I've made a decision to be pro-choice and not get set back 50 years like the Roe vs. Wade decision that just just happened to us by supreme court here's my take if a fetus is literally a baby like pro-lifers really think why hasn't nobody brought up the fact that the pro-life people that are so gung-ho on making sure the women have the baby i mean it's sickening sickening That the father who raped his daughter, 10-year-old kid, is being forced in Ohio, I believe, to have a kid from her own fucking father. They had a show about this on Prime, I think, or on Netflix, about uh, the dad basically put this girl in a basement for 20 fucking something years and had multiple kids with her. You got to be a sick old fucking motherfucker, man. But anyway, that movie was disgusting to watch, but it was a true story, and uh, you know, I want to, I want to, yeah, true story, Mark. See, if you haven't watched it, go peep it out. I, I forgot what the name of it is. I'll get you the name. It's on, it's on Prime, I believe. Um, the guy from Sixteen Candles was the main actor. He was the dad who was basically sodomizing and, and, and raping his daughter. Um, And basically, she had all natural births down there and almost died several times. Almost died several times. She had like four or five kids down there, dog. He built a fucking house under the house. And the mom and the brothers and the sisters, nobody ever knew. They just thought the girl had died and been disappeared. And she got kidnapped and died 20-something years ago. The fucking, she was downstairs in this motherfucker's house. This guy worked a regular job, nine to five. No, nobody knew this until 20-something years later. They all thought she died. But this motherfucker was feeding her. She, she had a whole full house down there with four kids but no air. She hadn't seen the air. She hasn't seen the outside of, of, of uh, in, in the real outside in 20-something years. Her kids were fully grown when they came out. Fully grown kids when they came out. She got out because she faked that she was dying and the, and the dad took her to the doctor and she fucking, she got a hold of the cops, and, and, and that was it. Yeah, dog, it was a true story. That movie's real. But anyway, I, I want to talk to the women and the pro-lifers in the room, because this is the thing. I want to let you take away guns. I want to take away guns from the males on the planet Earth in, the, in this country. And you want to see some shit change? You want to see some fucking uproar? Do some shit like that to a man. Take his take the man's guns away. Or let's just say that's a new law. We're going to take guns away. Let's pass that law. You want to see some shit happen? But nothing is really thought of when you take away the woman's rights. I, I don't understand why people can't fucking put those and correlate those together. Like, you guys have no fucking... You don't really sit there and think about what others go through, but if they touch your guns, you will have a fucking unbelievable civil war on your hands, right? Um No, that's not the movie, Christian. That's not the movie. It's come it's something like called The Baseman or Down Below or I don't know. It's a man's world is my point. Um like Eddie said, it's a man's world. It's still an, a man's world at the bottom, At the end of the day, it's still a man's world. Joel again talking out his ass. He says apples and oranges. It's not really apples and oranges um, at all. And uh, I'm pro-choice because I, I don't want to be set back fifty years like fucking third world country. That's just what it is. Um, you know. I, I, I got to break down this fetus thing you pro-lifers all believe in. And I want you to put yourself in a woman's shoes real quick. Because if it's such a fucking real thing, then I'm very curious on what you're going to say after this. A lot of thinking I did on this deal. Um, Joel, shut the fuck up, dude. You say a lot of dumb shit. You're not even a member no more, motherfucker. Kick rocks. You say dumb ass shit. So... Bottom line is, let me break down some shit real quick, all right? If a fetus is a baby fucking Mr. Apple and Orange, life insurance should be taken out on it. Correct? Life insurance should be taken out of the on the kid once it is conceived if it's such a fucking live living human, is it not? Where's that Apple and Orange is at? So if it's such a, if a fetus is such a living baby and all you pro lifers think it's such a living thing, then why isn't life insurance allowed to be taken out on it? If a fetus is a baby, men, men, maybe we should pay child support as soon as the babies conceive, motherfuckers. Have you thought about that one? I bet you fucking dollars to dimes you wouldn't want that shit and I guarantee you'd vote the other way if you fucking had to pay fucking life insurance on a motherfucker or if you had to fucking pay um, if you had to go pay child support on the motherfucker as soon as it was conceived, I bet you money it wasn't apple and oranges home, homeboy. But nah, we're not going to say that. How about for all the low-income women? Maybe they should get more food stamps and money. If a fetus is a baby. Shouldn't they get fucking more food stamps and more money right away? Exactly, Bree. you wish, right? Because it's fucking bullshit. It's a man's world. It's a man's world, so that is my point. So, if it's a fetus and it's such a it's a baby, then they should be claimed on your income taxes. Soon as it's conceived, the baby should be on your income taxes. Am I not right? The woman should get the fucking income tax relief. Should she not? Should she not? If it's a baby. You guys are all saying a fetus is a baby. That's, a, that's your motherfucking pro-life argument out there. The fetus is a baby. Motherfucker, no, it's not. It's another way for you to control a motherfucking person and prove to you that it's a man's world. And that's what it is. And that's why it kills me when women come always in talking about it ain't a man's world. We're progressive. We're the breadwinners now. We're this. Ladies, I'm sorry to break it to you. It's still a man's world. Because if not, you would have won in court. <laughs> They're telling you the man, the good old man, the good old boy network just fucked up. Just fucked your lives over. Ten-year-old girl has to have a baby that she was raped. She, had, she was raped by her own father and has to have the baby. How fucking disgusting and twisted is that shit to me? Or to you, I don't know. It should be unbelievably unacceptable in this country. But we're going back to third world life. So, it's not a baby. And this is just another way to control you. And it's a fucking shame we have turned uh, basically communists overnight. And a lot of you guys out there think that uh, culture, Saudi Arabia... Uh, you know, they're fucking over our media people and all this shit. Man, open your eyes and wake up. Our government's been killing our fucking own people for fucking 200 years. Calm down. Calm down. Slow down. Don't talk about Saudi Arabia now. Pat Perez just won $900,000 in three days work at the Live Golf Tournament in Portland, Oregon over the weekend. He actually shot a fucking 80. On his final round and won $900,000. Hallelujah, Saudi Arabia. Fuck, that's what it is. And by the way, they own 75% of pgagolfstore.com. So don't don't get all hurt and butt hurt now and want to come out and talk about, oh, fuck them and fuck that and da da da. A Saudi's criminal. Man, we're criminals too. Like, let's keep it real. I tell you, I'm proud to be an American. I'm, I love that I'm American, but I'm not proud to be in America right now. Shit, I, I, I would leave like a motherfucker. I heard the dude from Green Day um, decitizenized himself. Have you heard about that? I guess he made himself a Canadian uh, a citizen. Uh, I have no idea. And then they came out and blasted him saying that he made the biggest mistake of his life. But I don't know. One of those guys from Green Day or one of these bands basically said, fuck you, I'm out. And he went to be a Canadian citizen. So, anyway, uh, we're all complaining about Saudi and the dirty money and all this, but drug money built this fucking country, you fucking retards. Open your eyes. Fucking, are you shitting me? Colombian drug money fucking built the country you see today. Go watch American Gangster, motherfucker. That shit is real. (laughs) And again, I forgot to tell you I was actually raised by one of the motherfuckers Very, very associated with all that I've seen fucking checks signed by President Bush By the way That was bringing money into this fucking country From the dope game So don't get all up and high and mighty on me About how fucking pure we are And how we don't just kill off our own Shut the fuck up You guys are crazy as fuck You guys are really blinded, man You guys are really, really blinded Um, by ignorance. That's the fucking funny part about it. That's really the funny part about it. Um, But anyway, um, if the fetus is the baby, you guys, women, you should go hit them up. Men, you should pay child support. Ladies, file your taxes. Claim that motherfucker. Why we can't do all that, though? Why we can't do all that, though? See? But nobody really sits down and thinks, nah, you know, fuck the woman. She, we don't live in her body. Fuck it, right? That's how you motherfuckers think. You didn't lose no sleep. But yet we got these soft pussy motherfuckers out here taking off days of work because they can't get over it. Shut the fuck up. It has no bearing on you, motherfucker. Number one, you're a homosexual. You don't even have a fucking dog in the fight. Number two, you're transgender. You cut your nuts off and now has a clit, motherfucker. Number three, you're a drag queen. Shut the fuck up. You don't have a dog in the fight to be worried about what the fucking real woman has to go through in this whole fucking thing about being forced to have a baby. Shut the fuck up. So you motherfuckers are full of shit, man. A lot of you motherfuckers just talk. Um, like I said yesterday when my whole fucking power outage went out, The Matrix is a real fucking thing, in my opinion. I'm starting to think deeper and deeper and deeper. We're programmed to do what the fuck they want us to do in some aspect. I'm not saying it's a fucking movie. What I'm saying is in some aspect, without really debating, we are fucking conditioned to learn certain things. Don't get it twisted. We learn certain fucking things. Because we are taught to learn certain fucking things. I mean, fuck, racism. It's a learned trait. It's taught. Um, all these different things are seen and grabbed. Like, we see it, we do it. There is an old saying, monkey see, monkey do. You understand that, right? That's true shit. Every fucking generation in the, in the fucking world has done it. So... What makes you change all of a sudden? Why are all of a sudden you're up in arms about fucking Saudi Arabia and fucking now all of a sudden uh, a bunch of men make a decision about a woman's body and a black man on that on top of that, who, who, man, I'm not going to get into him, but holy shit, man, wait till the dirt on that motherfucker comes out. Wait till the dirt on that motherfucker comes out. Um... I can't say any of this shit. Um, I can't say any of it, Mark C. You know, I can't say shit no more. We can't say nothing anymore. Um, but just remember, priorities is, is critical. Priorities is crucial. And... Uh, I want to show you something because I showed a video over the over the weekend... There was a fight between a cop and a civilian, and uh, the cop um, fought the guy with his hands. He has no hands, but I want to show you this police fight if you haven't seen it. Um, Watch this shit. One of the worst professional displays of hands I've ever seen Um, I believe it was in Mexico Um, Very very bad Very very bad Um, Display of uh, Boxing (laughs) Right But at least the cop fought him Now this is my take on this one of the people there was doing their job for one reason or the other. The other person there was basically um in the wrong. But see, we got people now thinking then that's the cool thing. that's the cool thing now, and we could fight cops because we're running up in cops' businesses every day, and that's you're wondering why cops are throwing you into poles and slapping the shit out of you and hitting you, and then everyone's up in arms. no. A cop's conducting business and handling business and has to have his head on a swivel because he don't know who the fuck's around him now. And you want to walk up on a motherfucking cop? That's what... The the, the the enabled fucking kids in this world right now is fucking blows my eye. The entitlement that these people have in society blows my mind. There's no more respect. Like, we would not dare run up on a fucking... Not A little less an older person or, a, or an adult as a kid, but especially not an authoritarian figure. We ain't going to run up on no fucking cops, right? And back in the day, just FYI, I want to break something down real quick. FYI, back in the 80s, cops were much worse than they are now. Please, let's break down this. Somebody debate my motherfucking ass. Cops were much worse in the 80s than they are right fucking now. But nobody wants to bring that shit up at all because y'all got camera phones and you all think you see a lot of shit. You ain't seen shit. You ain't seen fucking shit. The cops in the 80s, white, black, Mexican, it don't matter. The cops in the 80s growing up, especially in Compton, inner city, LA, were way worse than they are right fucking now. But see, nobody wants to bring that shit up. Everybody wants to bitch and moan. Um, the government came out and Fox News apparently these fucks came out and basically said marijuana has caused the mass shootings in America we all saw the flocka and the zombie fucking shit and all this different weed and ice over in Hawaii and different shit like that has come out look at this Detroit shooter just go around spraying houses the other day if you haven't seen this video watch this.
0: This is the first shooting caught on video at 11 a.m. yesterday you can see the gunman dancing around in the street apparently after firing the first shots then he props up the gun on top of the car ready to fire more video number two at 2.30 the same house the same gunman opens fire into the house with five adults and three kids inside. One man in the house is shot in the hand but not seriously injured You can see today the big front window of the house boarded up. By the time the gunman makes it back to his car, he's under fire.
2: Another homeowner uh, fired back upon him as he ran back to his car. I think in the video you can see the back window being blown out.
0: Yep, straight along the fence line, right up ahead of you. He's about six yards out in front of you. The manhunt went late into the night. You're riding in a state police chopper with night vision, helping officers on the ground close in. He's
1: getting up right now and running north. That's the fucking shit we're dealing with now, dog. Like, so just the other day, I got a ring camera alert from our little neighborhood watch thing we got going on up here. And a motherfucking car rolled up and I'm in a pretty decent neighborhood. A cop, a car rolled around a corner, not in front of my house, but up in the corner. A buddy of mine lives up there and shot into the, into the hillside right below his, drive, right below his uh, front yard. Just drove by and dumped on it. Just shot on it a few times. And then they sent us the ring camera. There's people in this chat on my phone that live in the neighborhood who are literally making excuses for these motherfuckers. They're literally saying... Oh, man, I think you downshifted. Uh, I I think it was a a backfire. Uh, I'm sitting there like, homie, I'm from Compton. I don't need to be a forensic fucking expert or a cop to fucking tell you that that is a motherfucking gunshot. And you can see the motherfucker stick his hand out. I wish I could show you the video. I would show you the video and just laugh at the excuses some of these people are making. And it's unfortunate, dog. It really is unfortunate that people make excuses for this shit instead of they're they're scared of the truth. Just down the street from my house, like about two miles away, a ninety-three year old man. This will never make news. A ninety-three year old man shot a motherfucker dead in his house. Six kids, seventeen-year-old kids, went in to rob this motherfucking ninety-three-year-old. Six 17 year olds ran up in this dude's house, an ex military dude, 93 years old, smoked a motherfucker. And then the one he shot was the only one with the gun and the fucking other five kids he had checked and laid down in the house and the cops came and got all of them. And he killed the motherfucker, and I'm so glad they didn't let nothing, they didn't, they didn't charge him. There's people out here in California who kill you for trespassing, and they still go to jail. It's so fucked up, but I'm, so, I'm glad that they didn't charge the old man. The old man killed this motherfucker. I mean, you break into my house, dog, I'm killing you. Straight out. I don't give a fuck what your excuse is. If you break in and get into my house, I'm killing you. And that's just what it is. And I will let my dogs eat you. And then I'll call the cops a couple of days later when you're in pieces and I'll have you in a bag ready to give to your mom and dad. Because it ain't your mother and father, motherfucker, because if it was your mother and father, you wouldn't have broken my house and you wouldn't be in this fucking bag that i have of your body parts that is the problem and that's the issue we got right now going on um it's it's really shitty cops now are getting shot at an all-time rate i don't know if you saw the hotel cop shot in the hotel but look at this video pretty alarming a
2: week
0: eight. Is he eight or is he He was eight. Watch that door, it's a down here. you He said
2: wait, oh eight, didn't
0: he? He said, he said look, he don't travel Figure so out where he lives. Where does he live? Where's the shots
1: coming from? He said 1108, right? 1108. Yeah. 1108. Oh, it's
0: regular.
4: here. So. You were? You were? You on You were? You were?
0: You were?
2: You You were? Hands. Hands. <laughs> 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 I'm hit, I'm hit, I'm hit, I'm all hit. Right, all right.
0: Alter down, all down, all you down. Okay.
2: Watch it, watch it.
0: Where's
4: your hands? Where's your hands? Hey, hey.
0: Hands, fire it
1: Like, these motherfuckers, man. That's what's going on right now in the world. These motherfuckers are fucked up. I'm just telling you, dog, this is, they're fucked up right now. I'm just being real. We got some fucked up shit going on out there. Um, this is the life that I live. I want to break something down to you. If you saw Nate Diaz slap the shit out of the uh, Nelk Boy or whatever they're called in an interview the other day, I showed that the other day. But I want to show you something because. Whatever you guys say, the younger generation says, what, play stupid games, get stupid prizes or whatever. People think they can do whatever they want because we're not. There's no consequences for these fuckers' actions. Kids can hit teachers. They can talk back to the parents. They can talk back to cops. They can shoot cops. They can do whatever they want. Nothing's happening. Nothing's happening to them. But I want to show you a pitch. I want to show you a video of a dude throwing rocks at a car. And I want to show you what the car did, and this is exactly what I would have did. So I want to roll you this show real quick. I'm going to show you this.
2: Missed. Tossed a rock and fucking missed.
0: Oh,
4: these
1: motherfuckers are going
2: to cause an accident right here. Oh shit! Oh shit! Holy fuck! He
3: fucking hit it,
1: motherfucking right. I, lucky I would have I would have got out the car and beat the fuck out of his motherfucking ass. Number one, but I'm so glad that motherfucker hit his bitch ass. This is the problem we have. We have this type of shit happening. Motherfuckers walking down the street throwing rocks at motherfuckers' cars. We got motherfuckers dressed like the minions disrupting motherfuckers' movie theaters with their kids and families. We can't go nowhere, and you motherfuckers think we're the home of the brave and land of the free? Come on, man. We ain't free. We can't even go out no more. Like, I don't go out no more. This shit's fucked up, homie. We are in a fucked up situation right now. And you motherfuckers want to defund the cops. Some of you. Some of you want to do these dumbass things. Some of you think the cops' roles are different than what you really think they are. Um, We're fucked up, man. We really are fucked up. And you guys cry over spilled milk. You'll be the first motherfuckers calling the cops when somebody's beating your ass. Like, dog, I don't go to the post office no more. Just, you got to keep your head on a swivel at the grocery store, any crowded places. I don't go to clubs or fucking concerts. So that's why I build my backyard up. I'm going to put a fucking pool in. I'm a fucking, um, I'll be out there in the pool with my motherfucking Mossberg and chilling. Fuck them. And there's dirty cops, Alan, no question about it. There's dirty cops, but there's dirty mailmen, and there's dirty firefighters, and there's dirty teachers. I mean, we got teachers raping little kids. I mean, there's dirty everything. There's dirty coaches, Alan, you know that. We got dirty everything. We got good everything, too. And uh, the bottom line is, we got all these different things going on, but... Oh, I love grocery store. I'll never stop going grocery shopping. I'm gonna stay going grocery shopping, and and we got dirty priests and politicians. You know, dirty everything. But at the end of the day, man, um, we're in a very fucked up peculiar situation. That's, I wouldn't mind moving to some fucking mountains either. Shit, I can see you coming. I can see you coming around this motherfucker. Um. Christian, let me show the llama. This is what I want to do to motherfucking dummies. I want to just fucking. Ah, uh, show that shit again, dog. Let me see her get spit on. <laughs> dog, we are. St- stupid fucking human beings that's just what it is we're stupid she deserved to be spit in the face that's what she deserved to be and if it was a horse i would the horse deserved to kick her in the face that is what the people get that's what i don't understand how fucking stupid are we nowadays I, i i don't understand it um I really don't get it. Um, I want to show you this uh, incest abortion thing that I'm talking about because if you haven't seen it, this is why I'm pro-choice. Okay, let me show you this incest deal.
0: Is going to happen now to twelve-year-old girls who are forced to give birth. Here is Philip Gunn, the Speaker of the House of Representatives in the state of Mississippi.
2: That is that is my personal belief. I believe life begins at conception, and and let me say this. Let me say this. I, I want today to be about the Roe versus Wade decision. I want today to be about the fact that we have seen uh, an end to abortion in this country.
1: <sighs> this motherfucker said that life begins at inception. See. And he feels, you got to be a twisted motherfucker if you believe what he just said. If he believes what he just said, you got to be a twisted motherfucker to believe that a kid that was raped by his her own father should be liable to have a baby of, from that motherfucker. So what are you going to do? Do you think that kid's going to fuck it? It's a, first of all, it's a baby having a baby. So it's already fucked up. Secondly, you're telling me that this fucking kid has to have a fucking baby and raise that motherfucker? you out your fucking mind. You're out of your fucking mind. And that motherfucker that, who just said that, Jay, where you at, you creepy, weirdo, fucking Mississippian fucks? Where the fuck are you at, Jay? Mississippi fucking mud stomping motherfucking backwood fucking redneck hick fucks. You fucks think that's okay. Too bad we got a lot of other states just like that and worse. But state of Mississippi, you fucks. Just fucking... You want a baby to have a baby and raise the motherfucker. Oh, So, what a... Hey, hey Dad, let's go... A great reunion barbecue we're about to have. Um, so, it'll be Dad. It'll be uh, me, daughter. And then it'll be Dad's daughter, which is my daughter, which is his daughter's daughter. <laughs> it's not funny, dog, but think about that fucking family reunion. No wonder you're walking around this motherfucker like the hills have eyes on me. You fucking backward fucks. So you're just saying it's okay to have incest. That is what you're saying. Fuck having the baby. You're okay with incestual sex too. That's the fucking crazy part. Oh my God. It's unbelievable. Anyway, before I get into some more uh, things, I got to bring up some controversy Um, I want to bring up some controversial shit because I love controversy. I love it. It makes my dick hard. I love talking shit. I love when you disagree. Um, I love all those things. But my top 10 under 25-year-old NFL players list, I'm going to show you right now. Okay? I'm going to tick it on the bottom. Okay? And let's start at number 10. All right? And then I'm going to talk about my biggest 25 and under bust. Um, and you're going to also hate that on Twitter. But let's pay attention to this. Um, number 10, Patrick Sertain, the II. I believe he's an uh, up-and-coming next Jalen Ramsey. I think he's going to be one of the top paid DBs here in a few years. I think he's got huge upside. I think he is a big-time talent. Um, and... Uh, I think that it's, uh, it's a big-time deal. Max Crosby, good friend of mine, been on the show. Uh, I think he's on the rise as an elite pass rusher. Um, if you haven't noticed, he can run like no other. Uh, if you haven't noticed, go watch him run down Lamar Jackson, and you will be like, holy fuck, that motherfucker can roll. 6'5", you know, 245 long, lengthy body who doesn't play, he plays hurt and injured, doesn't give a fuck about his body, plays reckless abandonment, he plays old school, just like the person we're going to have on the show later. Rashawn Slater, if you don't know who he is, you can ask uh, Braden Fajoko about him today. He's a big time tackle for the San Diego Chargers, big time upside, I think he's going to be one of the best in the league here in a couple years. Um, this is all year, age 25 and under, by the way, okay? Micah Parsons, I'm putting him down. I think Micah Parsons is a top 25, 25 and under player. Um, I think he's going to do well. I think he's got a tremendous upside. I think he's got a motor like no other. I think he can get after the passer. I think he can do some things, um, play multiple positions, drop into coverage. He can carry folks uh, vertically. He can do a lot of things in the pass game as well as rush the passer. Um, Jamar Chase I think him and then number five is Justin Jefferson I think both of those guys have a huge upside I hate to put wide receivers on this list a lot of people don't talk about the O-linemen that's why I have two O-linemen on this list and I have some D-linemen on this list and D-ends on this list because running backs and wide receivers are a dime a dozen I just want you guys to know that they're a dime a dozen and you can find them at all times. Every single year, you get a Justin Jefferson and a Jamar Chase. Now, these two may be different; they may be the next best thing. But Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson come in at six and five for me. Um, Jonathan Taylor had a hell of a year last year for the Colts. Um, I don't know why that you know they didn't give him the ball more when they lost to Jacksonville to put him out of the playoffs. But it is what it is. I put uh, I put Justin um, Herbert at number three. Uh, quarterback L.A. Chargers, obviously. Um, I got him as having a big upside. And uh, I got Tristan Wirfs at number two. Um, unbelievable big-time O-lineman for the Bucks. Uh Big-time upside. I got two O-linemen on this list. This is my top 25 year and under list. And then I got one Joe Burrow. I think just by his poise and having the it factor um, going to... Uh, going not only winning the natty and coming into the to the NFL level getting hurt coming back from an injury taking his team to the super bowl he, he's my number 1 25 and under guy right now and it's it's you know there's guys in there that we can list that you don't even know there's D tackles O tackles O linemen there's other players out there that are freaks and they're going to be really good but when you don't you have to list quarterbacks because the game requires it they make the money. They make the most money. They're the GOAT or the hero. Um, so you know, it is what it is. You gotta ask all those questions, but um but to uh no further ado, the, the show has uh been blessed today by uh, by a great, great guest and I appreciate him coming on the show and uh um uh, like I said, um, you know, I'm gonna bring him on the show real quick and introduce him. uh Braden, what up? Oof? jb what's happening man you hear me good shoot i can hear you great man pleasure man, for having me you, appreciate you where you at man you you here in cali right now
3: Nah, i'm at <laughs> i'm in uh i'm in dallas texas this is where i stay in the off season so okay okay i'll be you. i'll be back out in cali in two weeks for
1: camp okay got you got you so if you don't know i want to bring, uh former lsu star national champ um current la charger uh in my and my uso from the rock man, Braden, Braden uh Fajoco, how you spe- is that how you say your first name?
3: Right on, I can tell you've been around Polys, you got the pronunciation right, right man. You know, I had to,
1: I had to do it right, man. Shit, I you know I I can't be no fa-fa, bro. Uh, <laughs> so let, you know, uh, man, I wanted to bring my, b- my uso on, man. We got a few usos in the chat here, man, and uh, from San Diego, Oceanside area. You know, you know all the big prominent uh, Polynesian areas, man. You got Oceanside, you got Carson, Cali, you got. You got, you know, up in the Bay Area, you get a lot. You know, we got we got them mm-hmm. all over Cali, obviously, and then obviously Hawaii. And, uh, you know, Seattle's a big area now. And uh, I know Dallas has become big. Trinity and all those areas. <laughs> I recruited Trinity for a long time. I got a lot of polys okay. now. Okay. Um, Trinity Ulysses. But uh, what's going on with you, man? I'm, I appreciate you coming on, man. So how's everything going on? Shoot, it's been good, man. You know, just...
3: Um, enjoying the off season, enjoying time with family um, until things get hectic again. Uh, but just blessed, you know. I can't complain. We we talked a little bit earlier and um, just working every day, getting ready. And uh, when the job calls, you got to go perform. Hell yeah, hell yeah. Why why Dallas has your off season uh, home? You know this is this is where me and my girlfriend live. Uh, it's just the cost of living. I, I don't know how you do it in Cali, man. I, I, I don't I know spend, either, dog. <laughs> i spent six I months out either, of the year bro. there yeah. and uh, it's tough so i don't know how you do it dallas is cheaper it's where i train this is you know a central area for my family to come visit me and i like it here a lot no doubt no doubt so
1: what what so let me know this where you grew up did you grow up on the rock or did you grow up out where out here
3: uh, i grew up on the rock okay. on lulu hawaii okay what it's high good, school did you go to uh, i went to
1: farrington i don't know if you ever yeah you ever i got farrington. my shit i had two linemen at indy from farrington no way. Who'd you have? Man, shit. Uh, Alan. Alan's in the chat. Alan, what was the big Uso that never made it, man? He kept fucking... Couldn't pass a fucking 100 yards. He couldn't run it. He couldn't <laughs> run to save his life. Um, he, he was... Um, shit, man. TJ, I got I some Usos in here that I coached that are in the chat right now. Um, what the fuck was his name? I want to say his last name was similar to yours, man. TJ, what was his name? Fijoko? No. I don't believe so, Toco. I don't know. My my boy in here is saying, um, I don't know if he's talking about you or if he's talking about the kid. But um, I can't dude, pronounce. I,
3: I believe you. You said you said didn't pass hundred yard shuttles.
1: I believe it. I mean, man, he was just a like heavy, run. heavy dude. Man, he heavy, and, and he wasn't long. And I and I really wasn't. <laughs> I really didn't want to recruit him, bro. I didn't want to recruit him because of the fact that. I don't want to be the guy that brings over cats from the rock because I was the first cat to bring some usos over from into Kansas, and so I brought a bunch into Kansas to Garden City. And then when I left Garden City and went to Indy, I, I took some and brought some more in. But the ones I took to Indy, I mean to Garden City, I didn't want to do. And the head coach is gotcha. like, "Now nah, let's do it. I, I I I like your thinking. Let's do it." And I go, "Yeah, but we don't need to bring in a, a bunch of them. You want to bring in the right one because if you fuck one of them, you ain't never getting another one, bro. This tight is lines, a cut tight line. This is a tightly knitted cut. fraternity here, bro. And this cut. motherfucker didn't get it, dog, and he didn't get it, and and he was cutting dudes. And I'm getting calls from Doris. I'm getting calls from Doris and shit. You know Doris." Doris Sullivan Hell yeah bro You know I'm getting I'm getting called From Doris Oos I'm like Doris You know me And she's like I know it ain't you JB And I'm like dude So I had to I had to mend the fence And like Dog you don't even know I'm talking to Big Joe And fucking Everybody that I'm cool with Because this Cats found out And they're like Hold up dog And So how do you How do you And I want I've always wanted to ask Especially watching Last Chance You, How do
3: you go on Recruiting Juco guys Right Because you know These guys aren't going to Play d1 but they also don't have the grades and, and you kind of want to take a chance on guys that you know have the potential to end up going to d1 but they also excuse my language fucked off in high school so how do you know which guys to take a chance on that are actually going to come in and turn it around or, or guys that are just like hey, you know what i don't know if i want to go get
1: this guy man you don't know um you know, the thing is, there's three types of kids we get. We get a kid that was a D1 transfer who left for whatever reason, either got kicked out for weed, uh, uh, whatever, credit card fraud, or, you know, you, unfortunately you get the domestic violators, but I didn't no. take those ones. I didn't take those ones. Um, I was actually trying to get one kid from LSU, man. I think he's in jail forever, the Uso, the kid that was with, might have been with you guys. I was trying to get him in like 16. I was trying to get him in like 16. He ended up going to Arizona Western at yeah Yeah. old lyman yep. 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 And uh, he ended up going to Arizona Western and I think he got cracked for like home invasion or something, man. It was something. Yeah. yeah. And uh Damn. but you know, we get the D1 transfer for 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 basically being damaged goods, right? And then I try to okay. I try to fix him and get him back to the four year. Um and then um we get the kid that don't qualify out of high school Mm -hmm. and then we get the kid that basically was at a d1 who didn't play but is a good kid got good grades etc just wants to play and get re-recruited so Mm -hmm. we get that kid so those are the three types of kids you get and um hopefully you can fix the one and get them back to a four-year but man i just recruit by numbers man i recruit First of all, recruited in bulk, and we tried to get them there and, and figure who who's out, who's the who of the who. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Who's the guy, cream of the crop, rises to the top. Yeah. And then you also, once you get rolling and you build a program and create a culture, um, now you're starting to be selective, and I'm starting to do more car- character evaluation. Like, I'm going to I'm gonna look at your body language. Number one, you got bad body mm-hmm. language, I'm not even going to recruit you. I don't care how good you are. Even at a juker. Okay. And so, similar to how you guys were at LSU mm-hmm. or, or wherever, you know what I mean? That's just how it is. Um, but it's hard, man. It's hard because you know how it is nowadays, especially in your, your old soul and a young body. You, you're your old school as far as how you're brought up. And plus, Polynesian mm-hmm. cultures just won't allow it anyway. I don't care what era we live in. A lot yeah. of folks don't know that. But, um it's different man because nowadays you know cats are looking for the bag they're trying to enter you know the grass is greener at every other school let's get up out of here uh don't want to compete is where i look at it i just straight up call it Mm -hmm. don't want to compete and if you are transferring as much as they are why did you pick the school then you didn't do good research on where you went and i understand certain people transfer for certain things um but you know the 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 time of transferring four times in four years is where we are now, and red flag. That, yeah, man, that's the problem. Um, hey, is that your is that your speaker crackling or mine? You hear it? I can hear it. It's in and out. It might be
3: my microphone.
1: Okay, got you. Um, it is what it is. Shit. Um, so let me ask you this, man. What um the journey has to be a long one. You go from the rock to LSU. Well, did you go to Texas Tech first? I did.
3: It's funny. It's funny about the transferring uh, situation. So just a, just a quick little snippet uh, for me. I started every game, my, my true freshman, true sophomore at Texas Tech. But there was just so much coaching turnover. Um, it was hard for me to develop as an athlete. It was hard for me to uh, fundamentally be sound as a defensive lineman. And I had, I mean, four different D-line coaches in two years. So it was, it was, it was a little bit toxic environment for me. So I studied two years there, 2015, 2016, and then in the winter of 2017, uh, old school transfer, you have to go in, you have to sit with the head coach, look them in the eye, tell them why you're transferring. You have to go meet with the AD, and then you got to go file your paperwork through compliance, and you got to wait a whole
1: week for them to approve it. So some grown then, man
3: shit. Some grown man shit. And then even when you get approved, you transfer, you still got to sit out a year knowing that you're going to transfer to another And that
1: school. was the real way. That was the way you could transfer, though. You know what I mean? That was the way that that was the tough way to do it. You had to bite the bullet. Hey, hey, oohs, because, can you do me a favor? They're saying it's can you just call me right back? I got you. Let me call you back. All right. Hang up and call right back. All right, cool. right. We'll see. We'll get him right back. Um, it looks like it's StreamYard that does it sometimes. Um, starting to get great conversation. He you know, I know he went to Texas Tech, but he he um He transferred, but it was the old way. It was the original transfer way that you had to sit out a year after you got approved by both parties. And that was the original way to transfer, which made it a lot harder on uh, a lot of folks. And so um, got me. We good now? Oh, yeah, we good. Yeah, we good. So yeah, so I was just telling everybody in the thing like that was the original way. You know, I said you transferred, and I said that was the original way. You know, both parties had to agree. You had to sign, sign everything and then sit out. Um, you said you left because it was getting toxic on you, and I and I get it. I've had I've had guys leave. Um, what 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 happened when you got to LSU? And what, what, what year was that? Sixteen.
3: I got there in the winter of seventeen.
1: Okay, winner 17. So you're there in the winner 17. Ed, Ed's the head coach, Ojron.
3: Yeah, crazy times. <laughs> crazy times. But, um, you know, having Coach O as a head coach was like one of those things where it's like you hated him, but I had the utmost respect for him. And I hated him as a coach because he brought the best out of me. You know, there was times where, like, he called me out on being lazy, times he called me about on, on not being aggressive times where I wasn't striking a mother half across from me. And I just, I hated going to meetings because I knew he was going to call me out on shit like that. And then when I finally left LSU and I became undrafted for agent in the NFL, I remember texting him and I just, and I told him I appreciated him for everything he did for me because I noticed when I left and I got out on my own, I held myself to those standards. And I always appreciated him for that because it was like, it's like I never left home. You know, my dad raised me on, on tough love. And you can't bullshit a bullshitter, you know, Coach o always say. So got there in 2017, man, and, and more than anything, that's what he taught me was just to be tough.
1: No doubt. Now, I know Ed real well. I've known him for a long time. I used to come to my house, man, fucking the- Basically, illegally recruiting motherfuckers on a, on a, filming, filming motherfuckers on my beach house and shit. Um, Hell yeah! This was way hey, this was back in the day. He was at SC actually as a D line coach for Pete Carroll, so he was recruiting a D tackle. I had at Compton College a man named Brandon Warner. Um, he ended up going to UCLA, but uh, uh, he was recruiting him, man, filming him back in the day. But the filming it just came out. It was an Urban Meyer, Nick Saban, Pete Carroll thing. They started filming yeah. with the little cameras. They started to film you if, if you if they went out to watch you. At practice, but shit, this motherfucker was at my house. It wasn't no damn practice. So, uh, but you know, I, I know Ed, man. The ups and the downs. It, it is what it is. You know, five in yeah. the morning, drinking Red Bulls, running around practice. I mean, that's how it is. Um, but you know, too, a lot of cats don't realize that don't that haven't coached yet. Um, when he was a position coach, everyone I know played for him or coached with them said he was he's the salt of the earth, right? The best thing going. But when you, turn, when you put it on that head coach's chair and you sit in that chair, even though you know he's still a D-line guy by nature, he's an NFL D-line coach. You know, he was at the Bears. He's been at a few different places. And then he was known as a D-line coach recruiter at the college level. He wasn't ever known as, okay, this guy can't be a head coach, really, can he? Um, that's kind of the, the thing about it in the coaching fraternity. But when you put that head coaching seat on and then you have to still coach your position, you're still that mm-hmm. position guy and, and and that I think what you got was the position guy, but still having to be the head guy and, and hold everybody accountable and you got an extra bit of added asshole. You know what I'm saying? And that's that's kind of what then I'm not defending them, but I'm just telling you kinda of it's hard it's hard to explain yeah. because until you coach, it's like fuck, that's you know, especially when he has never been a head coach. Like that, um, it's a different deal, man. But I mean, True. hey, it is what it is, man. You guys got a natty, possibly, arguably one of the best college football teams of all time. Um, put together a hell of a roster. You know, Joe Brady came in, called the offense. Joe Burrow ripped it. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable season. What? What? Uh, what was it like playing with Joe? And, and how do you how do you compare him to Herbert? Not comparing as far Ooh. as ranking them or anything, but like. Mm-hmm. I would I would attest, and I don't know either one, and this is just the character and the coaching part. I would say on the field they've got to be pretty similar, huh?
3: Mm. It, it's I, I think you can attest to this, but it's easy to to coach teams that are player led. Oh, you no don't got to ride your players for little shit.
1: No doubt. Um, it's like, like Polynesian, Poly- bro. It's like Polynesian culture. This. Let me. I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna be real. I'm gonna be real. And TJ knows. TJ was in my dorms. He was, I brought him from Long Beach. He, ran, he came out with me to coach as a GA. He played for me, and then I took him out there, and I said, listen, I want to get some polys out here in Kansas. And he's like, really, coach? And I'm like, yeah. You know why? Because they'll fucking control the dorm rooms. And that's the number one thing, and that's what uh, – and I hate to cut you off, but that's what I, I, I meant because polys will not allow a lot of uh, rude disrespect amongst uh, adults from younger folks. So go ahead, sorry. Really
3: yeah, go ahead. No, so so what I was saying is is, you know, playing with Joe at LSU, um, it made I think Coach O can attest to this, you can attest to this. Any coach that have been a part of winning teams, you you make it so much easier on the higher ups when your players are leading the team and you don't have to worry about babysitting. Uh Joe was such a great leader for us, and it's the same thing with Herb right now, man. It's it's crazy to see guys at a young age, but what helps is they're the quarterbacks. When the most impactful position on the team is leading by example, and you don't got to babysit those guys, it makes everybody in the organization's job a whole lot easier and smoother. You know how it is. Hell yeah,
1: hell yeah. That's just big, man. Policing each other. You know what I mean? Huge. Yeah, oh yeah. You police yourself. Shit, we ain't got to do the extra drama, and it, it ends up cutting out a lot. You know, one bad apple ruins a whole batch, man. So it ruins everything. You know, you know, like when.
3: When one guy isn't having his way, and and I can truly attest to this because my junior year, I went from a starter on LSU and I got hurt. And then my senior year, I was a rotational guy. I had to come back and compete. So, I mean, I could have easily dipped out. I could have transferred. Not a lot of people know this, but I could have transferred in the beginning of my senior year because nobody wants to be a rotational player the right. senior year. Right. Shit sucks. Yeah. You know, you're a senior year on, on a championship team. But when you have guys that, from the back, or voicing their opinions, and we had guys like that. You know, guys that failed drug tests. You know, getting kicked out or kicked off the team. Like, bro, like, forget practice. Hey, come party with us at Tigerland. Like, bro, what? Like, what? Did Coach O say no bars, bro. F that. Like, come. hell yeah. It, you know when you're when you're fighting for something bigger than yourself, and you know like, I can't jeopardize what we have right now. Not just for myself, but for the team. Like you realize it's bigger than you. Oh, yeah. And that's really why I appreciate my time at LSU because that's really what it taught me not just how to be selfless, but how to put others before yourself. And winning a national championship isn't just about having the flashy ring and, and having the banners hung up. It's about knowing what you guys went through to get to that moment. And now that I can share that with my team now, with some of my teammates in the league, is about yeah, winning a championship is cool, right? You get the you get the rings, you get the hardware, you get the trophy, but
1: the process it takes
3: to get to that moment. Not a lot of people can say they've done it. And that's what you cherish along those moments. Like 50 years from now, you guys are going to talk about.
1: Nah, and they don't know, man, that's an internal thing, man, that nobody will ever know. And Mm. that's all the haters, naysayers, and all these Mm. Twitter gurus out there. That's all they're going to say is, Oh yeah, well you didn't do this and do that. But like, nobody knows what you had to do to get there. So, Mm -hmm. um, kudos to you, man. So what, uh, how do you compare him to Herbert? Are they both, uh, the leaders? They're both, uh, you know, that are they both like real, real, like, uh, I guess are they players, players? You know, you know, the difference between like players, coaches, yeah. and players, players. You know, I've I known a lot of quarterbacks, big time quarterbacks that were straight assholes. A lot of the players hated them and there was a dissection in the room. But are those guys both similar in that regard?
3: It's very funny that you ask because both are, like, totally different dudes off the field. Right. Figured that. You know, Joe Joe's kind of the guy that's, like, if you guys go out, most of the girls will probably hit him up just because he's got that cool swagger to him. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, he's just got that nonchalant thing about him like he carries himself with a swagger. Jay herbs kind of, like, going to be to himself. Reserved. Like, if he's out with the guys, he's going to be low-key about it, but he'll throw on a hat a hoodie, like just real low key about himself. And you really got to like, he'll fill the room out before he gets comfortable with you. But I think one thing that like connects both of them is like after losses, I really got to see what type of characters they are. And we didn't lose our senior year, but our junior at LSU, when we lost to Alabama, I remember Joe, after that game was in the locker room and he was just sitting in his locker for like 30 minutes and everybody's getting dressed and, you know, we just got our ass whooped by Alabama at home, you know, undefeated Bam was undefeated and he was sitting in his locker still in his pads and uh, I know he took it hard and I know he was just riding on himself that game about how he could have played better and I never forget we lost to Kansas City my rookie year it was the covid year and that was Justin Herbert's first start he had taken over for Tyrod Taylor before oh, the yeah. game he balled the too. whole situation yeah. yeah and Jay Herb had balled and any rookie in that situation like we lost the game but you could easily man I balled out forget what you know the team did like I did my thing Jay herb was about sitting in his locker for like 30 45 minutes and, I mean just these two just seeing the true competitors of them um I mean the NFL's in good hands for
1: years with these two at quarterback uh no question no question about it man I got I, I put him I did a top 25 and under list mm. um, and uh, I think you were watching I I put him at three Deep. um I put him at three and Burrow at one, so it's it's ironic because they're both right there in the top three. I had to give love to some big folks, man. I had to put the big big man at, at Tampa and number two, but um, I mm-hmm. think Herbert has a huge upside. Like just watching him being a quarterback guy, I think him and and Burrow are both, and I think Herbert can take that leap to where he's right there neck and neck, if not surpassing uh, Burrow. Just depends. I think you guys got a hell of a shot this year, especially with your roster. Um, so we talked about Ed O and all that. You. Talk about how you guys, you signed un, un, undrafted, you're undrafted mm-hmm. free agent, you signed, and now you're on your undrafted contract. Um, basically, I tell people all the time, so you basically betting on yourself. Um, wh- what are you trying to get out of this, man? I mean, the Halate Natas of the world, Al Nogas, the Dan Saliamois, uh, people that I've known and, and, and coached camps with and stuff, are you trying to get on that, trying to be the next Polynesian big time uh, guy, or are you saying screw that? I'm gonna be my own guy, um, because that's how you seem anyway. But you still, you, you respect for the, the the forefathers, I guess, the elders that came before you that played, especially the Polynesian guys that have balled. Um, do you look at that at all and say, man, there, mm. there's been a lot of good ones, but there hasn't been a lot of polys. Mm. You know, this is an opportunity for me to, um, you know, set myself apart. Um, what's your what's your goal overall, I guess? Like I mean, I know you want to get that big bag and, and, and prove your worth and prove yourself, but uh this is your is this your last year on this contract?
3: This is. So this is this is the last year on my undrafted contract. And then next year I'll become an exclusive rights for agent, uh which basically just means the team has my rights for one more year. And then, you know, pending that year you play good, you 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 do what you need to do. Then, you know, you just let the chips fall where they fall and as an unrestricted free agent, you have the, the reins to do what you want to do. If you
1: want to sign back or if you want to go take an extension with another team, that's the plan. Oh, no doubt. No doubt, man. Shit, hey, best of luck, brother. I, shit, I shoot for the stars, land on the moon, dog. That's how I look at it. Man, I yeah. had a, I'm I'm thinking about it, too. Man, I had a quarterback, man. His name was Kavai. He was a okay. straight Hawaiian, uh, pretty boy, kind of a white boy, but he was the Hawaiian. Okay. He played quarterback for me at Shafee College out here in Rancho Cucamonga. Um but he came out of, of Farrington and, like, he had to have come out in 08 or 09 because he played for me in 09. Okay. So, that,
3: you know, it, it's it's crazy when, when I hear you talk about the Polynesian, you know, the, the four founders of of D-Line and you you mentioned Al Nonga. Like, Al's an OG in my city. Hell, yeah. Like, you mentioned Al Nonga to anybody. Like, who's out? But Al Nonga's, I, like, hell yeah. a mother effing
1: OG in my city. I already man. know, dog. I already know. And, like, Dan. Dan's an OG out here. Yeah. You know what and I'm
3: saying in the poly community in general, Bad.
1: Just like the Tui Yasopo, right? Tui's. like that, that, that name, it, it holds weight. No, the, the Tui's are from Long Beach, so
3: it, it holds weight. LBC hell yeah, and, uh, hell yeah, LBC. they're
1: Westsiders.
3: Yeah, but I already know. No, you know, you we're know, re- referring to you know your your first question about you know where I want to be and, and what I plan to do. I think for myself is it's funny how you talked about you know betting on yourself. Um, I think that's one of the cool things about being an undrafted guy is you got to prove yourself year in and year out. Uh, If you want somebody to light a fire under your ass, then this is the wrong profession for you. You should already have it lit under your ass by the time you step in the door. Uh, But to me, it's just carry the torch. I mean, Haloti Nata, Al Nonga, you know, Jesse Sapolu, just naming Polynesian guys, Ed Molitalo, all these guys that have, have come before me that have laid the foundation down. Um they have done such a good job of, of upholding the Polynesian roots of our culture. It's only right that the next generation, because we're such a tight-knit and small community, you have to carry the torch. It's bigger than you. You know, you look at guys now like DeForest Buckner, um, Tua, uh, Juju, all these guys that are, you know, polys in our community that are playing right now, we all know that when it comes to football, right, we represent the last name on our jersey, but we're polynesian you know there's not a lot of us in the league and there's going to be another generation that in another wave that comes after us we have to make sure that we not only leave it better than how we found it but to make sure when the next generation comes up they're able to follow in the same footsteps and even do better and overcome what we were able to do
1: man jesse sapolo you saying that name man i i i almost hired uh jesse's uh, son he's coaching now i think he's coaching like at fresno state right now um yes I, yes is he yeah so i hired i was trying to hire him at indy man as my old line coach so so uh i interviewed him like shit him and a bunch of usos man so i went around and talked to big joe um talked okay. to my you know george i don't know if you know george who runs aiga Foundation? yeah malulu you know george yeah. malulu that's like my bo- he'll be at my party on saturday so that's um, that's yeah me and george go way back um yeah he's og og you know how that is um yeah Olu- but like all he, so all my boys got me connected with coaches that were young and upcoming go-getters that were either gas or something um and man they set me in a room I, joe joe set it up um and he set it up, and George and, 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 uh, and Tooie, they got me all these cats in a room, man. And they were, that's how, that's how they know how much I've helped them, and they were willing to help me bring a white boy in from Compton. Hey, man, this motherfucker's a real deal. Come in here. He's the right dude to coach for. And, man, I sat down with like 10 different dudes, and, and I wanted Jesse's son bad, man. He ended up, he ended up, uh, staying on in Nebraska. They were at Nebraska at the time, coaching as GAs, and, uh, I threw as much money as I could at him being from a Juco and he decided to stay and, and he talked to his dad and everything, his uncle, and then he ended up staying. But, uh, it's funny you said that name. That's another name, man. Um, it's crazy. How, how,
3: how do you, I, I, I got a, I got a quick question. Yeah. Um, ask away. How do you, for guys that are athletes, especially, you know, the ones that have played ball, when they get to that point in their career where it's starting to wind down and, I see a lot of them getting the coaching, but not a lot of them stick it out, right? What do you think separates the players that have stuck out coaching from the players that are just like, oh, this is kind of just a job. I want to collect the check doing it." How do you stick in that profession?
1: Here's the thing, man. I've told a lot of so the better player you are, this is just this is just historically speaking, right? And I've had I've had big time NFL players like Greg Townsend. Um, mm-hmm. Greg was one of my coaches in Juco. He coached for me. Okay. Co- he was coaching D-line. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Greg, a good friend of mine. Great dude. He knows. I'll tell him straight out and tell everybody about. Horrible coach. Horrible really? coach. Just because, not that he couldn't have been great coach, but when the better you are, the better you are as a player, I found out that the, the worse you are as a coach. And this is for the... F- There's two reasons I found out why, and why to answer your question, why they don't stick it out. Um, Number one, I think you have to have been a player of some sort to end up being a great coach. That's my personal opinion. There's only like three coaches out there that that are head coaching that did not play. You got Mike Leach. Hmm. You got um, Charlie Weiss. And you got... um, Shit, there's one. There's one other one. Other than that, everyone else played in some aspect, and everyone said, "Well, Mike Leach don't play." Well, he hasn't won. No, see, people people think winning is uh, go winning ten games at Texas Tech one year and winning nine games at Wazoo no that's not winning you didn't win no title you didn't win no championship you didn't win no natty and I think if they were players um, I think it would have helped them somewhere because it's hard to go into a locker room of an intimate locker room intimate setting like ours are right And, and, and get the instant respect or get a cat to buy what you're selling. If you didn't even Mm -hmm. play the sport that you're asking this kid to go through all the rigors and shit that you're giving and putting him through and... Um, now Belichick played DB man. You guys need to look into Belichick. Belichick played D three corner. You guys need to look into it, man. More um, same as same as Saban. Saban Savin and Belichick man both played corner. Go look it up, man. You guys all want to hear talk shit uh, anyway. Uh, so so the the bottom line is though like the the when they start coaching you like let's say Mike Singletary, mm-hmm. he got into a Vernon Davis blow up on the sideline. On the sidelines, you saw all that stuff because he was a fucking freak. He was a dude. He was the best player on the field for how long? And when somebody cannot execute the same simple task what he thinks is simple, because he was such a freak and a dude, he 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 goes on and and goes off or what have you, or can't relate and just like, man, you're telling me you can't do this? You can't fucking fit a gap like this or whatever. And they can't do what he did. Um, I'm starting to gain more respect for Dion because I think he's realizing that. Because a buddy of mine coached with Dion and he was like, dude, Dion was just like, walk out because he was so upset that you couldn't backpedal, turn and run and fucking go catch a motherfucker 40 yards away like he could. I'm like, dude, you're one of one, bro. There ain't no other Dion's floating around. So... I think that the good, the great players, they have to self-check themselves and look in the mirror and and self, you know, self. I tell coaches all the time, you got to be self-coached before you can ever coach another person or another human or coach or anything. Um, But at the same time, I think they have too much of a high expectation for the player they're coaching, and they lose interest real quick, and then they're they're off to doing the other thing. And what goes hand-in-hand with that question to answer it, I think the bigger money people, the bigger players that made bigger money, um, they have so much. They have all these toys in the back of their head as far as what they can do every day. I got money, I, uh, unbelievable money. Uh, I can take the wife, the girl, uh, the other girl, whatever I want to do to the to the to the islands, to the Bahamas, wherever, anytime I want. Why am I really going to give all? Why am I going to go all in on this thing and deal with these motherfuckers every day? Right. So mm. the coaches that get into it from. Let's say they played three years in the league. They had a cup of tea. They made a decent amount of money, but they didn't, they're didn't. they not set for life yet. Those guys who actually want to help kids and, and really were a student of the game and, 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 and yeah. really want to coach, those guys make it. You know what I mean? Those guys make mm-hmm. it. Uh, remember UDZ? Had cancer. First-round pick. Went to the Minnesota Vikings. Went USC. He was coaching with us my senior year. Okay, I know he was because SC fired him. And, that's right, and and, and, and so I man, you don't even know that story. So I'm am real cool with you, DZ. You DZ played a verb when I was where I was coaching at, and that's so you
3: know KU. That's that's cr- small world.
1: Small yeah, small world. world. Yeah, that's right. So when SC fired them, they basically fired a bunch of dudes at that time. They fired Johnny Nansen, another USO uh, Samoan that's the, from that's Long Beach
3: poly pipeline recruiter. Right yeah, now.
1: yep, yep. And so um, you know they uh, so we were all together. They were just at Indy. DZ was just at Indy. Uh, recruiting Jermaine Johnson, the number one player in the country who just went first round to the first Jets. Round draft pick. Yeah. So they were all in my office recruiting him. And uh, he texted me like, JB, dog, I think I just got let go. I'm like, what? This motherfucker's on the road in Kansas. And I'm like, this shit's crazy. And so I'm like, you got the number one LA recruiter on your staff, a dude that played first round draft pick who, who had cancer, beat cancer, came back. Now he's a fucking... A dude that can figure it out. He's a guy like that who's hungry, uh, played the position at a high level, but also, um, you know, can relate with the kid and teach the kid a technical step without, okay, you can't do this step. This is how you do it. Compared to like, man, if you can't do it, fuck you, I'm out. Um, Yeah. You know, I think DZ, cats like that are are more uh, technical and really want to coach and do it. But to answer your question, it's tough, man. You got to, you got to, wants to do it man because if you don't you're just it's a waste of your time you don't you don't why do it you know what i mean and yeah, very uh, true. that's why you see a lot of big linemen coach and then they lose all the weight and then they stop and then they gain the weight back and uh, you see a lot of different mm-hmm. things happen like that I, I see it all the time man it's crazy but um nah, that's a good question man you, you is that a thought for you if you if it ever ends you know so
3: my, my, I got my degree in LSU in communication, so I, I really want to get into the lines of media, color commentating, all that stuff, hopefully have my own show segment one day. Um, but it's funny because I remember every day we'd be in the, in the position uh, meeting with Coach O, and um, I'd always answer a question, and we'd always get into like football talk, X's and O's, and he'd always say, you know, son, one day you're going to be my defensive coordinator. I said, I don't know if I got the patience to coach, coach. I, I don't have the patience to sit in here for two hours every day. Really? We just, we laughed it off. But I've always wondered because, you know, my older, bro- my older brother, Sam, uh, he went to Texas Tech. He got into G.A.ing for a year. And um, I, I, I just remember he'd always wake up at um, like 4.30 in the morning and he wasn't back till like 9, 10 at night. Hell, so, yeah. You know? And I was like, bro, I – I t- I remember telling him one day because he walked in. It was like ten at night, and I was ready to go to. So we had lived together. Um, this was at Texas Tech. This was my first year at Texas Tech. He was a GA there. I remember he walks in one night, and his eyes are just bloodshot red. And uh, I said, "Bro, I don't know how you do it." He's like, "I don't know how I do it either, but you really gotta love it, you know. If not, because he's like, I don't make shit right now. I oh, was no. making more than him, and I was on scholarship. Hell yeah, you know. And I mean, now he's just." He he doesn't coach anymore. He just works. He, he sells cars with his family. Um, but I was like, it just hit me because it's like, you know, if you really want to get a coaching job, you're not gonna fall into a 400, 500 k position job at
1: first. Nah, you know, it's you gotta take grind some time. Up. Yeah, it's gonna take some time. Um, who was the head guy there then? It was uh, Cliff Kingsbury. Oh, was it? Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I kicked that motherfucker out my office too. Uh, you had everybody there. Oh, dog. You I- got you got you got any good recruiting stories? Oh, man, I kicked I kick Cliff out of my office. Oh, yeah, I kicked Cliff, really? Cliff out of my office. I kicked, uh, what's his name, Mullet, Mullet mm-hmm. Man out of Oklahoma State. Kicked that motherfucker Daddy. out of my office. Hell, yeah, though. Them motherfuckers are shady, man. They do shady shit. That See, the thing about it is, I used to tell my coaches and my academic ladies, I said, listen, I'm the only one to give a grade out of a kid. I'm the only one that's going to give a grade out on any of my players. And and I got okay. kids that have played for me in the chat. They're all laughing. Remember, they said they remember that because, um, and I've had a lot worse than that, dog. I've kicked motherfuckers out. You don't even know. But th- this is the thing. If you recruit a kid of mine and offer him, and I find out on Twitter before you tell me, I have a major problem. And The problem I have is because you don't really know the situation. What what if I told him that, Hey man, Hey coach, we, we, uh, he comes in my office two days after the offers already been out there on Twitter. I haven't talked to a coach yet. And I got Braden Falco in my office. He plays for me. He's my D tackle. And you, he's been offered by Alabama. And Nick Saban comes in. And, I, and he sits down. And he goes, hey, coach. I appreciate it. And I go, hey, I found out you offered Braden. Oh, yeah, great player. I'm like, damn, he robbed McDonald's last night. Good luck. And I fucking walk out. And I make them feel that shit because they don't. I'm not putting my name on you, number one. If if you're not the guy, I'm putting my name on. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm not putting my name on you um, if if you're if you're not going to represent what I stand for and shit like that. And so I would fucking like the courtesy, general courtesy of you telling me I'm going to offer this kid. So when hmm. I started being an asshole to so many D one coaches, they started getting wind of it, and that I was just such an asshole with them. Now everybody was calling me to offer, right? And shit! One year we had what forty five go D one national record. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone was blowing me up because everybody wanted it. They they knew they weren't getting you if you if you offered them on yep. Twitter. And uh, so um, Cliff uh, took it. Uh, he uh, one of our corners was lock and loaded, ready to go to Oregon State. He was a Texas kid though.
4: Okay, um,
1: ready to go and all this and uh, that. Th- this story, but this was the one kid, um, Jalen Allen. But anyway, he uh. Is that, that Jalen Lane? Yep, Jalen Lane.
3: Jalen Lane. Yep. Was, was he with you? Was he with same you? High class. Same high school Same Yep. Same class. Really? He was. He was. He was originally supposed to come to Texas Tech out of out of college, but he ended up going to Oklahoma State. But I don't know what happened. I guess he ended up at JUCO.
1: Yeah, he went with me. He ended up with me. He ended up. <laughs> hey, hey, hey! Cliff, Cliff steals him <laughs> overnight, basically. Right? Hides that motherfucker out. Does some shit. Right? Whatever. And so I'm in the middle because Cliff don't give me the heads up. All he had to do is tell me. And I could have I could okay. have been like, hey, man, it is what it is. If Jalen wants to do it, it is what it is. I don't, I don't give a fuck. I don't tell people where to go. I don't force kids yeah. where to go. Um, they need to make the best decision. But I'll help them with the decision if they want it. But if not, all right, it, 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 you got to live in the bed you make, right? So, yeah, true. So, uh Cliff, did some things that I found out about man. And I'm just like, you don't go about your business that way, man. You you're making everything that I stand for look bad. And I said, I'm not letting you motherfuckers recruit here no more. And uh, he had a cat. What was what was your guy's running back coach, man? From Louisiana, he was a big nine recruiter on your staff. He's the one that uh, kept Jaluk. Yep, Jaluk. Hey, Jaluk, Jaluk. Me and Jaluk ended up being cool because Jaluk knew that I wasn't to be fucked with, and he knew real I had do. all the dudes. Real, real and mm-hmm. Jaluk knew. I didn't need them; they needed me. So mm-hmm. he would he hit me up. We came back. We started talking more and more. He bounced and went to like Lafayette or fuck yep. one of those, mm-hmm. and he ended up getting me dibs on uh shit. Man, what was a the, the little running back that was a freak that went to KU, number one player in the country. Ended up going to fucking KU out of nowhere because I know Jaluk got some shit done. But uh, was it? Puka Puka, Puka Williams. So I, man, I had Puka man coming to Indy, and there's no fucking way he cra- he passed. And there's no way he made it to to KU. I'm just telling you right now. But um, so Puka and, and his best friend I had come with me, um, Larry. Larry, this big big old tackle, freak of nature too. Uh, they both were at the same high school in Louisiana. Um, but man. Puka's house, dog. This motherfucker had a tree growing in his front room. No bullshit. I tell you, no bullshit. Uh, but Puka had a, a real deal tree going through the fucking roof of the house. Um, but it was crazy, right there in a hood, man. But uh, but 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 Jaluka helped me out, get him and stuff like that. And uh, you know, he started helping me with some Louisiana kids once he left. And then he told me some stories about Cliff and all that. But you know, it is what it is, man. I, I just know that the business is is a it's a meat market, and unfortunately you guys, the babies in this thing, are the pieces of meat. And it's Mm -hmm. unfortunate, man, because a lot of these coaches are making big money, man, and 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 will drop and leave you cats in a New York minute to go to another school and do those type of things. And then people think, well, why don't the kids, you know, that's where the debate goes into, well, the kids should be able to leave too if the coach leaves and da-da-da-da. I don't agree with all that. That's a whole nother story, but – um, I, I just think the kids need to earn their their professional card, so to speak, um, because the grown coach has already. Regardless of what you think about him, if he does leave a school or not, um, I, I believe it is shady. I do believe that. Um, I'm not going to recruit a kid and tell the kid, this is what I'm going to do for you and then leave you. I, I wouldn't do that. That's just my integrity. But at the same time, the kids shouldn't have the same right, in my opinion, because of the reason – uh, for the simple fact that I don't believe he's earned the right to, he hasn't paid a mortgage bill yet. He ain't put a kid through college. He hasn't really gone through the life lessons that it's going to require for him to really earn the right to be able to pick and choose where he goes. And I think a kid needs to, I think, and it's not to be an asshole or, or some, some dude running around thinking he's the the alpha God or whatever. It's a, it's a fact that we need to, we need to have, there, there's, there's levels to shit. And I think right now kids are getting the car keys, to the car that they've never driven and it's causing what you see now
3: i think i I get into you see i i get into these discussions you know with with the nil stuff in college with like you know the twitter gurus and stuff and and a lot of them a lot of them think that the kids nowadays deserve more which is true right I, i always want the younger generation to get more than I ever had, because I know what the struggle is like. But there's a difference between giving them more and giving them entitlement, right? I think now the younger generation in college, like we stated earlier, shit hits the fan, I'm leaving. And I don't got to get penalized for it. Oh, man, I got to compete for a job? I'm leaving. Hell, yeah. I ain't got, you know, and it's, it's sad because this is what they're being taught. And if they want to keep going down this profession, it's not teaching
1: them good habits. No doubt. Hey, amen to that brother. There's, I don't know though, that there's any other cultural, uh, ethnicity out there, black, white, uh, you know, I'm from Compton, man. I, you know, I can speak on it. People know who know me. Like I, I've only raised and coached mostly inner city, either Usos, Tongan, Samoan Mm -hmm. or black, right. That's been the majority of who I've coached. Um, or raised for that matter. But um, there's not another culture in my opinion, other than the Polynesian culture that understands what you just stated. I don't mm-hmm. think that's out there because of whatever stereotype we want to s- label cats as having, you know, that could whole another argument, but there's cultures out there that are very, very different. Um, mm-hmm. And, whether you lack a father in the home Or the mother in the home Or backing or support circle Or whatever it may be It's easier for certain folks to leave and walk away And quit Than it is for some folks In, in Samoan, Polynesian, Tongan cultures uh, It's a little different They're not going to just walk up and leave Unless you got to go face pops or moms when you get home and, and and that's just something a lot of people I don't think listen and understand But um, you know I'm glad you said it, man. It's just, it's crazy. The generation has changed. I, I'm all for the money too. I've been saying it forever, yeah. but three years ago on the show, I said, the NIL thing is going to implode college football in a it way is. that we don't want, because I think that you should be paid from number one to number 85 on scholarship roster. I exactly. think every single person should be paid for their scholarship, mm-hmm. um, because, I said it from the jump, man. If you're going to get paid for likeness as far as it's selling a jersey or a video game or whatever, it's only going to be one or two dudes. And everybody else in that locker room's looking at you sideways. And it's like, hold up, dog. You know, the backup corner just ain't going to sell. The jerseys or get the T-Mobile contract or whatever. You know what I'm saying? It's unfortunate, dude, but that's just the real thing. And I'm like, dude, but if everyone got paid, let's just use a D2 model, for instance. Everyone got Mm -hmm. paid on scholarship. Let's just say everybody got paid a certain amount every month Mm -hmm. or whatever. But let's say a five-star, Braden Fulco came in, you get five-star money. And then the backup... D-Tackle gets three-star money. And and three you use money. a 2 model, but everybody gets money. And money. that's coming from the university who makes billions of dollars in the NCAA. Well, yes. And yes. then if you go out and get your own deal from T-Mobile or something, hey, kudos to you. But yes. everybody on the roster is getting paid at least. And now when the coach yells at Braden... The backup dude that ain't getting paid ain't looking at the coach side eye like, man, fuck this. He's getting paid. I don't get paid. That's what's happening right now, in my opinion. Exactly.
3: You know, so it's funny. On Twitter, when I when I posted it about the NIL the other day, one of my OGs, uh, he hit me up. He's, you know, 10, 11-year NFL vet. He's, he's who I do my D-line training with. His name's Sean Smith. And Sean had, mm-hmm. had commented. He said, um, what's the difference? In the Char- old Charger? God, yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, he said uh, you know, what's the difference in the NFL? Uh, practice squad, active, you guys all get paid. I said, that's the difference. I said, everybody gets paid in the NFL. If you're on the team, right, some guys get paid more. Like you said, active roster guys get paid more than practice squad guys, but they play on Sunday. Practice squad guys don't play on Sunday, right? In college, 1 through 85, not all getting paid. It may be 1 through 10, one through six, that'll get paid. What about the rest? What about the other seven? They ain't getting paid. They ain't getting dollars in their bank account. I said, but I think what the NFL has is, is pretty cool because we have uh, the NFLPA, the Players Association, where after the season, right, whatever base pay you make, whether you're practice squad or it's in your contract, after the season, depending on how much you play, if you start games, if you play a certain amount of snaps, there's a fund that the NFL dishes out every year. It's called player performance. And if you're an undrafted guy, you're a seventh or a sixth or a fifth round guy, you get paid more money out of that player performance because you're not expected to play a lot. So if you look at all these late round undrafted guys, they get these nice bonuses after the season because they played a lot. A first rounder, he won't get paid a lot because he's expected to do that. And I think they could implement that system in college where – Right, you have your five star guys who are going to get their five star lot in money when they come in, four, three, two star, whatever. But if you have a two star guy, he pans out. He becomes a starting guard for you all 13 games. Now he makes All American. Now he does all this all conference. Now you got to compensate that guy a little bit more now because he's no longer a two star. He's more than what he's valued at. And I think that's how you can go along this NIL stuff. And you just got to be careful with it because. I mean, now I, I, I saw a quarterback sign to deal with like Rolls Royce or something like that. I'm uh, like, bro, this is
1: crazy. Nine and a half million, the Miami kid. This is crazy. You he make more
3: than Trevor Lawrence, dog. That, you know, guys have to put in the work to get that nine million. He ain't played you know, a snap. Ain't played a snap. That's crazy. I'm happy for him, though. He's getting
1: his. Bro. Hey, I feel you. I feel it. I feel it. But it's like, is there a, is there a, I want to, I need a return on the investment, right? Exactly, and, and if there is none, are these kids? It's going to blow up bigger when these kids. Let's just say one of my usos that, that I coached. I went to school. with, His dad played with me at Compton College. He's the number one quarterback right now. Nico. He's going to Tennessee. He had right. an eight million dollar deal. And what if the the red shirt juniors just better like right, right now? Like when he gets to camp,
3: you gotta you gotta pay where the money's
1: being. Paid. You gotta play him. You have, and to. you're setting him up for failure, in my opinion. Exactly. And now, do you ever really get to your full potential? Like DJ, right now, right? Uh, I don't, I don't know if you know Yona and all them uh, yeah, out yeah. here. You know all the uh, Yona and Mount Sack and all them um, grew up with all them dudes, but okay. you know his his brothers. That's his son, DJ. Yeah, DJ. Yeah,
3: yeah. And
1: big, and like big, he big has a he has a down year last year, right? Everybody's down on him, but he yep. balled when he came in and played for for Trevor, right? Because he had no pressure, pressure. No, had pressure. no pressure. So I try to tell folks, I'm like, dog, you guys have him as the Heisman tr- favorite, and and then him and and Bryce came out same year. One was at Bosco, one was at Modern Day. They came out, yeah, and then, and then Bryce goes and balls at Alabama. He wins a Heisman. DJ now is looking at like, does that fuck with his psyche? Hell yeah, in my opinion. But you guys put him on this pedestal as a backup for fucking the Heisman Trophy, Trevor Lawrence. When he just came in, was having fun around a loaded Clemson team where he could just boom, 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 throw for four hundred yards. You're talking how great he's gonna be. Nah, the shit changes when you're the starter the next year, and 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 pieces are changed too. Now you got less O line. Their o line was shitty that year. I mean, uh, so I hope I hope DJ and and and, and that whole fam- his family's great family. I hope they he can bounce great back man. and have a good year, man. But. Um, I, I kind of it to that, man. Like, are you setting this kid up for failure? Coming to Tennessee, making eight million dollars, da da da, and failure. And then what? Like, you, do, you, do you get the money back? <laughs> like, you,
3: you make a you make a huge point there, right? With there's a red shirt. There could be a red shirt junior that's a quarterback there, and that kid has developed. He's he's paid his dues on the bench. He's ready to go. He's ready to sling it. Then the true freshman gets in now, right? But everybody on the team knows. The star to be that red, yeah, the red shirt junior. Yep. Everybody knows. Yep. But all of a sudden, first game of the season rolls around. Okay, the true freshman gets in. We kind of skimper away with a win. 21-17. Yep, and a yep. team should Week two, you win again, but it's still a little shaky. Week three, conference play rolls around and it's like upset. Now you're two and one. Yeah. You're out of the top 15. You're like, oh shit. Like, really, what's going on? But you gave the kid eight million dollars. You're not going. You're not going to sit eight million dollars on the bench. And the kid knows it too. And that's the worst part about it. Yeah. Is yep. when players know they have more power than the people above them oh. because of money and because of their account situation. You you see it in the NFL a lot too, where you know guys are well deserved making money and and they know that a coach can't talk to them a certain way. I'm a grown man. I make more money than you. you're not going to talk to me. You're not going to sit here and tell me what I need to do. I'm a pro when these college and these 18 19 20 year old kids start thinking like that that's when it starts getting dangerous
1: that's what i mean it's already that way it's, it's happening in high school because coaches allow it and they don't coach it like mm. you either coach it or allow it like you finish through the line you start before the line if you don't mm. and you allow it you just set your whole team up for failure because you just allowed everything you just saw that was incorrect and you allowed it and I believe it started 20 years ago. I believe it started to trickle, and now it's become so bad. It's just a snowball. It's rolling, and there ain't no way to stop it until we gut it and restart it and rethink this whole process because right now, man, like you just said, it, it's uh, it's going to be hard to stop, man, because I've, I've, I've known how it's been in the league. Like, oh, shit, you ain't going to tell me what to do, Bill Parcells. I make double your salary like a T.O. T.O. talking to Bill Parcells. This is a legendary coach you're talking to. Legendary. But the issue is there's a respect factor that's just been lost over in, mm-hmm. from between being enabled from your parents and entitled by your coaches, administrators, society. We've enabled and entitled these kids for, for the last 20 years, and I think now it's just like it's becoming so bad. Listen, how's Brandon Staley to play for?
3: He's cool, man. You know, um, one thing I appreciate him is, He's a football guy yeah, yeah. Uh, uh he appreciates football at all three levels between the linemen, the mate skills and the and, and the regular skills um in team meetings he always we, our team meetings are like 20 30 minutes sometimes they're supposed to be like five minutes right you know how You go in you get the, the agenda for the day the practice schedule yeah. break out to position but he'll get in team meetings and he'll break down an inside zone block between cory lindsley and matt Fowler, or he'll break down a Uh, edge rush between Rashawn Slater and Joey Bosa and he talks about how this is relative to every part of our game and I think that's one thing I really appreciate is I've gotten to learn more and appreciate the other positions on our football team instead of just defensive line play as you You should I I
1: think you should learn every level like you yes. know, high school coaches, there's some good ones out there now. Don't get it wrong. There's some high school coaches out there. But, but when you get to college, even you come to my level, there's shit you're going to learn that you couldn't learn in high school. And then mm-hmm. I believe it should continue to go upward. You go to LSU, it should be the best. You go to the mm-hmm. NFL, you should even learn new shit, right? That's how I think it happens. A lot of coaches are in the positions they're in because of who they know, not what they know. But it is mm-hmm. what it is. I uh, You know, that's just one of those good old boy networks that we're in. Um are you, have you guys bought into his fourth down philosophies? And if so, um, you know, because this is how I look at it. I, I heard um, your running back on Pat McAfee show, because um, mm. I go on Pat show a lot. And, 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 uh, yeah. Who's your running back? What's his name? Uh, Eck. Austin Eckler. Eck. Eck. So X came on and was like, look, everybody's talking shit about us, not, not kicking field goals and all this shit. He goes, but what if I told you? X, Y, and Z. This is how it is. And then, so Pat was listening, and it made sense. And I was like, exactly. But a coach knew already that's what it was, right? But everyone in the public, that all these gurus, they don't know. But obviously, he's telling you from Jump Street, listen, fuck the noise. We're going for it on fourth down. It is what it is. And the players didn't execute, didn't get the job done, and that's what it is, right? Boom. The coach always gets the – he's the fall guy regardless. But Mm – Have you guys bought into that philosophy, and has it changed at all? And are you all gas, no brakes, still? And and now you understand that he's going to go for it regardless. And now you're going to go even harder, or is there second thoughts or guessing going on?
3: Yeah, ultimately, you know how it is as a coach, man. Like when you got a a team, you're not going to play to tie. You're going to play to win every time. And you know if you got if you know you got guys that'll ride for you. By all means, go for it. You know we're not here to to f and tie games. You know we want to win games. Um, the Raiders game, it's interesting because, you know, we tie, both teams going to the playoffs, whoop do, doo right? Everybody wins. That's not how the game works. Hell no. Somebody's got to win, somebody's got to lose. Like, that's just how it's got to be. It's second, or it's third and eight, and we didn't stop them. They ran the ball down our throat. It's simple. We didn't get a, a, a freaking stop when we needed to, and they kicked the field goal one. But when I see our coach going for it, and he tells us on the sideline, get your you know, get your fucking helmets on, get ready to go if we don't get it. Like, hey, let's go. Like, we know our offense is going to get it, but he has that much trust enough to go for it when we're backed up, you know, last game of the record season and we didn't get it on an inside duo and we still went out there, held the Raiders to three and out into a field goal. Like, that's a win for us, you know? They didn't they didn't score the very next. Like, we held them to, they didn't get a yard that next drive they came out. And so, to us, when you have guys like Keenan, Jay Herb, Eck, you know, now we got Gerald Everett, Mike Williams, guys who are dogs. I'm going to go for it every time, you know, because if you, you know, as a coach, you go for it, you score, you win the game. All of social media, all of ESPN is like, man, this is the new best thing. Look at, you know, Jason Brown. He is the guy they need. He's the guy. You miss it. Now everybody's looking at you like a clown. Oh, the go to the hero. Analytics, you you know, where's the analytics at? Like all these people that. Love to crunch numbers and all these analytic PFF guys like, well, this is why they shouldn't have gone for it. Like, bro, it's football. You win some, you lose some. If
1: not, you buckle up and play the next game. And I'm glad you said that, man, because I'm telling you, a lot of those people out there, we're such a soft society now, in my opinion, that the majority now would have been fine with a tie. That... The majority never played football, though. See what I'm saying? You, just, you, you know, you just can't do that. Hell like, you no, you just can't do that. I'm stuff, glad. You know? I'm glad I hear that from somebody your age, man. It really, it, 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 it gives me hope that we're not fucking fucked up yet. <laughs> hey, how how's it playing alongside of uh, of state of uh, Bosa?
3: Joey's an interesting dude, man. Uh, <laughs> but he's a he's a really good dude. Is um, he's when I first got into the league three years ago and then now one thing I've noticed about him is he's evolved more into helping others. And like, I mean, having Khalil now on the defensive line, like watching them too, they not only help each other out, but like, man, they're helping out us. They're helping out Rashawn Slater. They're helping out our other tackle. They're helping out our offensive lineman. Like it's really cool to see that there's still old veterans in the game that care about the younger guys. Cause don't don't get me wrong when i first came to the league, there was older veterans on the team that didn't give a fuck about rookies no doubt like it was like not nah, they brought in this guy to take my job like f that you know you got to find out the hard way and that's how it was but like it's really cool to see veterans and i think it's just a, a thing with the chargers is like we we really have a tightening locker room whether you're gonna be here in the fall whether you're not right, everybody right. knows it's a family right and it's just awesome to see that there's veterans that do care about the younger guys. No doubt, man. No doubt.
1: Um, let me ask you this: You a tequila guy, a whiskey guy, a vodka guy, or just a fucking cava guy? <laughs> <laughs>
3: man, I, 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 my dad, my dad's heavy into cava. He's he's a cava holic. Oh, yeah. um, uh, some of my days at LSU was uh, was a lot of it was uh, a little dark liquor. Um, not a not a fan of it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. How I felt the next yeah. day. Uh, but I'm a huge fan of Taramana. I, I, Are you? I, I like Taramana. Okay. You know, I got to support. I gotta yeah. Yeah,
1: support. yeah. No doubt. So, no doubt.
3: Um, huge fan of my girlfriend doesn't like tequila. She thinks it's, it's like the worst thing ever created. She's a wine drinker.
1: Okay. Um,
3: but I'll have a, a sip every now and then, you know, especially after wins or, or on the plane ride back home with the guys. It's just good, you know, just Hell yeah. good camaraderie. Oh
1: yeah. Hell yeah. Hey, no doubt. Hey man, I don't know if you know the Ongas man, um, Tongans, but, uh, Paul coached with me um, at Shafi, his little brother, big, or his little brother, but his big brother, a uh, younger brother, but fuck, I think he played for the Vikings, or he's with somebody now, um, one of the Oongas is playing, then um, the other brother played Arizona State, big tackle, um, yep. that motherfucker would bring in a whole barrel of kava after practice, and we're in their fucking staff meeting, and everybody's in there like, what the fuck is this, this was back in 08, dog, like. I'm like fucking Kava, man. I ain't had Kava in fucking like 10 years. Right. And then, uh, this cat's brought back Kava. And then, so in Kansas, in Kansas, all the fucking players that I brought, I had like 20 Usos in, the, in Kansas with me in the, in the locker or in the dorms. And every motherfucker's eating, making Kava and shit. I was just laughing. I'm like, good shit. I said, your root is fucked up. That shit's too strong. But, too strong.
3: Um, you ever, uh, you ever, you ever eat any poly food? Oh
1: yeah. Love it.
3: I, uh, there's this place in
1: Carson and, uh, I mean, what, I, Which one is it? Is it like, is it, is it like L and L's, but it's called, uh, I forgot the name of it.
3: It's on 190th. My, I, I don't even know that area by heart. And I'm going to tell you why, because a lot of my teammates tell me don't go down there. Oh <laughs> yeah.
1: Down yeah. There yeah. Alone, in it, the yeah it's in, the, it's in, it ain't that bad, but it's in the, it's in the hood part of Carson. It's in the, it's, it's in
3: the hood part. Yeah. For sure, for yeah, sure. yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's crazy. Like when I went there, you know, there was some like OG sitting out in front of the shop and stuff. Uh, asked me who I was. I told them I played for the Chargers, and they all like, you know, they all welcomed me. They're all like, oh yeah, yeah, you know, going. They hooked me up with a big ass plate. Walked out with like extra food for my teammates and stuff. So it was cool. It
1: was my cool. my, my one of my usos in the room. TJ, he said that I think he thinks it's Poly Grill off Carson Street.
3: It probably might it, that probably might be a Poly Grill.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey man, I, I, what, you got anything going right now? Like you give, you give, uh, you got any like uh, charities or anything you're doing or, or, uh, you want to drop any of your, uh, handles or anything. And, uh, to everybody out here. Yep.
3: Yeah. Yeah, um, follow me on Twitter at Braden 4 for, um, follow it's me on, on it's on the
1: ticker below. Everybody's it's on the ticker. You guys make sure you follow him.
3: Yes, sir. Follow me on Instagram as well at LouisianaMo underscore 91. Um, so just trying to just trying to be more more involved, uh, you know, with the fans, more involved with, you know, people using my social media. I think it's a great tool. Uh, once you can learn to understand it and, and harvest it in a good way. So just trying to develop every day and uh, appreciate you for having me,
1: JB. Man, I appreciate you, brother. We got to hook up, man. When you get out here, heck yeah, heck yeah. I got to get you out of a charging game for sure. Hell oh yeah, Let no you know, doubt. I'd, I'd love to, man. I'd love to come out and chop it up with you. Always appreciate. All you. All right, always be safe. Already appreciate Later. you. Man, great, great conversation, great conversation, man. It's back to back. Joe Accord dropped a hundred a C note, man, as we call it in the hood. Appreciate you, Joe Accord, for dropping that. Couldn't couldn't appreciate you while I was on the call there, but uh, appreciate you, man. Listen, we're back to back today. We're star studded here today on the show. So, um, uh, Mr. Dan Dockich is gonna join us here. He he uh, right away. So stay tuned. The show is just getting going. Mr. Dockets, how you doing, brother? Can you hear me? You're muted, I think. Hey, you're, like, you're like me with technology. I'm the same way. Nah, I don't hear you. Nuh-uh. Nope. You might just restart it, maybe. I don't know. um Mr Dockett's is trying to get his volume ready um but Braden man shout out to Braden for coming on in and uh and Wido, it's wild it's wilding with Wido Wednesday by the way uh Wido stay tuned um I'll be texting you if we can, I'm trying to get you in on normal we just had I gotta chop it up with you about a couple things anyway so if you're still available after this interview uh, let's, let's make sure I get you on, uh, Wido. Um, hopefully we get Dan back on with some, with some volume and we're going to discuss everything that you probably don't know about Dan. He's a, he has a big show. Don't at me on the outkick network. Um, big show. I was on it yesterday. Um, I don't know if you know, but Dan actually played for Bob Knight at Indiana. So
2: you got me? Gotcha. What's oh, going my on? man,
1: My man. What's up, man? How you doing? Hey,
2: I appreciate you coming on yesterday. You're great. People loved you. And, uh, man, that was uh, that was a hell of a conversation for a half hour. I think uh, you and I have a lot of the same thoughts on a lot of things.
1: Oh, so uh, no doubt, man. Here. No doubt. My, my, my community here... Uh, is, is is been been hyped up about you all day they're sitting here I just had a good uh, I had Braden Fahoko on he's a big D tackle for the Chargers uh played at LSU won the Natty with Joe Burrow um so I had him on for the last hour and then uh you know everybody was talking about getting Dan on Dan's got I want to see Dan in an uh, uncut version <laughs> oh man man hey so uh So you run the, what is it? Don't at me? Is that the name of your show? What's that? The name of your show is Don't At Me on Outkick, right?
2: Yeah, Don't At Me. It was going to be Sack Up, which is our family motto. Like, you broke your leg, I don't care. Sack up, let's go. Something happened, (laughs) I don't care. Sack up. And Fox thought it was a little too much. So uh, we went with, with Don't At Me. But Sack Up is our family motto. Something goes wrong? Okay, great. So what? Sack up. Let's go. Man,
1: I love it. I love it, man. Shit, I I wish uh, I I had to change my podcast, which was Slap Dick Podcast, which I, I it, it kills me to this day because the whiskey I have, the vodka I have, all those things probably will never go corporate as far as into the big retailer because of the name, which is unfortunate because they they carry whiskey out there called Cold Cock. It's a fucking rooster holding his dick. But you can't carry slapdick. Like, get the hell out of here, man. So it is what it is. It's perception's reality, and I believe it's more me than it is the name of the whiskey. But if they ever tried the whiskey, which we've done, by the way, Dan, we've actually done blind tests with some CEOs of these big companies, and every one of them picked my whiskey over all the others. And still won't carry it. When they see the name unfold, they won't. Oh, slapdick. Shut the hell up, man. I don't know, I don't know, Dan. there's worse things out there, man. Hey the, for the, for the audience here, give me your backstory. So I know um I know you you played for Bob Knight, correct?
2: Yeah, I played for him, coached for him for 12 years. Uh, and then I was the head coach at Bowling Green for 10, back to Indiana. I was the interim head coach and I got into broadcasting. Uh, actually spent when I was at Bowling Green, got hired at West Virginia as the head coach there and I get there and they're cheating their ass off. I mean, they got, you know, all this stuff and I got players coming in, telling me, Hey coach, this is what, you know, I'm getting, this is what we're getting. This is what, and this is before NIL. So I'm going through all this. Now you got to understand, I'm making about 80,000 at Bowling Green. They're going to pay me 500,000 at West Virginia. (laughs) damn, I don't want to leave this job, Mac job as opposed to a big East job. So I get all this stuff and one thing I'm not going to do, nobody's ever going to own me. No one's ever going to freaking own me. No player's going to own me, no administrator's going to own me. So I get all this stuff. I get a lawyer, my brother's a lawyer. We're going through it for about a week and my wife comes in and we go see the athletic director of West Virginia and I'm already the head coach. We've already had a We've had a damn press conference, and I got players, you know, i have having workouts, and uh, I know they're cheating. I know what they paid this kid, Jonathan Hargan. I know what they did with grades. Hell, I had one player tell me they were throwing games, all kind, of whole pet. So I go to the athletic director, and, and this old boy says, well, you know, uh, you got to go see the president. I don't know nothing about it. So my wife and I go see the president. Guy named David Hardesty, West Virginia. And coach, he's got one of these, we call it the Bear Bryant office. When Bear Bryant was the head coach, his office was set up so that his chair and his desk were up here, and you were sitting in a couch way to hell down here, right? Oh yeah. So we're sitting there looking at this slap dick up here. <laughs> I'm going through all this stuff, right? I give him a copy of what I got and he looks at it. And my man slaps the table.
1: Oh, shit. He
2: stands up and he points at me and my wife. He goes, You guys go any farther with this? I'm going to tell you right now, we're going to destroy you. And I looked at him and I'll say a word. But whenever anybody threatens me, coach, I always start laughing because one thing I used to be able to do, <laughs> not anymore, is fight. And I'm sitting there looking at this guy going, And it would take me about two and a half minutes to beat the shit out of you.
1: No doubt.
2: And my wife, who never, and I mean my then wife, she's not my wife anymore, who never said a word, I mean never, stands up, and I look at her, and she goes, hey, uh, Dr. Hardesty, what do you mean by destroy us? (laughs) Now, you know, this is in the president's office. He catches himself, and he starts BSing, right? and uh
1: being a president
2: yeah well you know gail catlett who is the previous coach is a great man blah, blah 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 i'm like hey man i know he's a great man but i've been here 22 minutes and i found <laughs> all this stuff out he was here 22 freaking years <laughs> i go i don't you know but you can't you can't threaten me and my wife so <laughs> i looked at my wife i said you know i really don't want to work for someone who's threatening me the first time so we went back to bowling green and then You know, got our ass fired. We had a bad run, had a bad run of injuries. And anyway, ended up in broadcasting, doing uh, Tuesday and Saturdays on uh, ESPN, college basketball, Big Ten games. And then last year, my contract was up, and Clay Travis and the guys from OutKick came and made me a hell of a deal. So I started this show 9 to 11. Every morning right here in my basement for crying out loud and I gotta tell you I love it. Having guys like you, we can talk honestly. ESPN if a guy like me, middle aged white dude, if he gets out of line, oh, I cannot even tell you the amount of times I got called in.
1: Oh, I'm sure.
2: Can't say this. What are you talking about? You can't say that. You you know, you can't be political. I mean, and so And that's all they are now. Oh (laughs) no, That's it. I mean, that's, you know, and so I got lucky. I got lucky that Outkick took me, gave me a show. And like I said, I do it uh, every mo- Monday through Thursday from nine to 11. And tomorrow we're going to have the, uh, you know, the coach that was praying. And yeah. Just yeah. Bring- yeah. Joe Kennedy, he's coming on the show. So coaches have liked it. Appreciate you coming on. So it's been a good thing.
1: Yeah, man. I, I would love to get your, uh, your info on him. I would love to get him on too. After you, that'd be nice. Um, That'd be a good deal. I, I just talked about him on my show the other day. Um, man, it's good to hear refreshing stories from people. Man, it's 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 uh, it's so everyone walks on eggshells now. It's so hard to talk, and, and everybody wants to cancel you and cancel this and cancel that. It's just it's it's unbelievable, man. Uh, no one's entitled to their opinion no more. I guess you have to either be right or left, red or blue, and it is what it is. It's like, man, I don't care if you disagree with me. I think it makes for great conversations, but. You don't have to fucking castrate me over it, but that's where we live. I
2: had a bunch of professors last year, my last year at ESPN, start calling me racist. Oh, fuck. And, of course, white professors, right? I'm a racist because (laughs) uh, I said something about a kid that left Duke in the middle of the season, left his teammates high and dry. So, long story short, I get in a little bit of a hassle, you know, hey, you guys have never been in the arena. The one lady professor says, well, let's go at it in a pool. And I said, hey, look, I'm a married man. I'm not going at it in a pool with anybody that ain't my wife. True story. <laughs> really? Uh, it became a national story. Guy for USA Today, some punk ass named Dan Wolkin. Oh, wrote, fuck. The misogynist wrote and. It became literally a national story. ESPN got involved. I mean, all because I said, hey, look, I don't give a damn who you are or what your motives are. I ain't going swimming with nobody that isn't my wife. Wow. The lady said I assaulted her with my words. Oh, fuck. My my sister is a 25-year prosecutor in Bloomington, Indiana. Domestic violence. And she put on Twitter, how does somebody saying they won't do something assault you with their words? So the world is idiotic. That's when I decided, you know what? That's enough for me and ESPN. I'm going to go somewhere where saying you won't go in a pool with a woman that isn't your wife is not a big deal, brother. So that's how
1: that's how soft we are, though, now, man, because she you didn't accept it. it. It's assaulting her. It's insulting her. It's assaulting her. Um, you name it, man. It is what it, it was
2: is. It was truly, it was unbelievable. In fact, I said, screw it. You know what? I'm going to get off Twitter for a little bit. <laughs> and then once I got back to Outkick, I said, you know what? I'm going to get back on here and come out with guns blazing. So that's what we do. Hell yeah. We go after things that are complete bullshit. And, uh, you no, know, no. Like today I'm watching, I'm watching the freak show mayor of Chicago. She last week goes on stage and says, fuck Clarence uh, Thomas. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, let's go out with our guns blazing. And then today, she comes out and gives a lecture. Yesterday, she comes out and gives a lecture on how we should be more civil to each other. Totally full of shit. I grew up outside of Chicago in Gary, Indiana. I know...
1: Uh Uh-oh.
2: And I got you, There you go, there you go. Uh, There you go. So yeah man that's what we do and it's fun to do
1: hey love gary Gary is, uh is the is the compton of the of the midwest and uh I know all about Gary i know all about Gary and uh gary. it had to be had to be uh different growing up in gary in especially in your era like so was it similar basic how the country was um was it similar to my growing up so in compton in the in the in the eighties um it it turned it was all black i'm the only white guy um when when did Gary turn? Um, when did um, Gary turn?
2: Gary was always a melting pot city. My father was a uh, my father was a principal at a public high school in Gary. In fact, we got our house. You know what a Molotov cocktail is? Oh yeah. We got a guy that my father threw out of school. He threw a Molotov cocktail, started our house on fire. Wow! But uh, I was a kid. Wow. Which like, damn, like. You know, that's some Beirut shit right there, right? You see guys <laughs> fly, flying that Middle around. Middle East, yeah, yeah. Uh, but no, and when I grew up, it was great, man. I mean, one thing that was awesome was, you know, as a basketball player, particularly a white kid in that area, I'd go, I mean, I'm not bragging, but I'd kick everybody's ass, and that was fun, and you get respect through playing sports, right? Hell, yeah. You know, I, I could go anywhere because people knew – Uh, myself and our team, we, you know, we, we were the best team in the area coming through Gary. And so it was a blast for me, but what it really taught me was how to get along with people like my people are Serbian and Polish, uh, parent, you know, grandparents came over on the boat and all that kind of stuff. And there's a big Serbian and Polish population. And there's a big Hispanic population. There's a big black population, obviously. And frankly, growing up in that area area uh, enabled you to learn how to get along with people and to understand that people are basically the same. I mean, um, but you know, right now, Gary's in a bad spot. There's not a lot of hope. I just took my wife and my stepson right through downtown. And and it's sad. We just had a shooting there uh, two days ago at a, at a cookout. And I, I ran a basketball camp there 24 years at my hometown. And I love the area. I'm going back tomorrow to support my – Friday, excuse me, to support my high school with a, in a golf outing. And it, it, it just taught me, you know, people are people. And don't be afraid of people just because they're not like you or don't change the way you act because people don't look like you or they're not from your neighborhood or – I don't know. Maybe I was lucky to have parents that understood that. In my neighborhood after, after football games – uh, black, white, Hispanic, rich poor kids would come to our house and have pizza parties. My dad was a the principal. They'd TP our house. And I thought it was the greatest thing ever. Now, I didn't really like the Molotov cocktail being thrown at our house and starting it out. That wasn't great.
1: No no <laughs> doubt. I, I, no doubt. I would assume so, man. Shit. I, I would be like, shit, I wouldn't like that shit either. That sounds like some Compton shit, man. Just, uh, luckily, it was in just a drive-by with a Uzi or something.
2: Right. Um, yeah. You know, again, in my day, maybe your day, my day, I've had three different times police officers that put guns to my head. Uh, but one, one, I thought I was going to get shot. It was a deserted road. I passed a guy and I was coming home from my girlfriend's house who lived, you know, 20 minutes away. And I'm flying, right? Because my parents were like, you better get your ass home. <laughs> passed a dude. Long story short, he comes up, puts a gun right here. I'm like, hey, man, you know, don't. And another time was they mistake the van we were in for a car with a robbery. And the other time my drunken ass friends, I picked them up from a bar and they smarted off. And next thing you know, county sheriffs had shotguns on us. So, but it, you know, it, it, it wasn't like what you're talking about where, you know, you, you were worried about someone driving down your street, shooting you. It wasn't like that even a little bit. It was, yeah. you know what it was? I'll tell you what it was. It was more, if you had a hassle, you got in a fight. I mean, he had a fist fight. He, you know, he, nobody. I remember my one friend brought brass knuckles. You know what brass knuckles are? Hell yeah. Yeah, he brought brass knuckles, and we're like, hey, dumbass, lose the brass knuckles and just fight the dude, Well We're not using brass knuckles out here, right? And, and,
1: and this is like. Th- this is when friends would be honest with each other and tell them, "Hey, man, stop being a little bitch and put the brass knuckles down." What? Like this, we used to do that too. Nowadays, though, man, I, I, my quote of the I always give a quote of the day, and today's quote I, I said, "A harmless man is not a good man. A good man is actually a very, very dangerous man who can actually control himself." Uh, meaning, what I meant was like it was the person that's a dangerous man. If he controls himself, he also makes the world peaceful because. People around him knows he's a dangerous man, but he's disciplined, and everybody watches their fucking step. And we don't have that no more. Everybody thinks that the fucking harmless man is the good man. No, he's not. He's the
2: fucking coward that's allowing all this shit to go on with your kids. I I always this. You know, I grew up, I went to Catholic school, uh, and I always... I didn't do well in religion because I get bored reading. But the one thing that I do know is this. People that hide behind the gospel or the Bible, oh. first off, piss me off. Second off, I always say, "Amen, hey, man, read the story about what Jesus did to the temple when all the frauds and the fakes were in there selling stuff. He destroyed that thing. He turned over tables. He got pissed off. He did what he needed to do to straighten out what needed to be straightened out. Yep. And the fact of the matter is we got so many people, coaches, parents mostly, that are so damn afraid of kids, it makes me crazy. It makes me absolutely I'll tell you this. I don't know at now that I'm almost 60. One of the great things in my, my life is when my former players get on a text chain with me. And one guy will say, man, coach, do you remember that time you threw this MFer's phone out the window on the bus? And I'm like, yeah. Do you remember that time you got us up at 6 in the morning and you made us run? You know, and I told him at the time, coach, and I know your players have the same thing. I said, look, playing for a crazy man is a great thing because you're going to have stories out the ass and you're not going to have to explain to somebody how your college coach was a pussy. I said, you're not going to have to do that. And you're going to have more stories for more. And my my players are always like, Coach, man, I was telling these dudes about, you know, whatever. And they can't believe it. So, you know, will you come on a video and tell them exactly? And I'm like, yeah, whatever you need. Let's go. I mean, you got to hold. Look, you said it on my show, Coach, and I agree 100%. People want discipline. People may not like discipline, but people want discipline. Everybody wants somebody to help guide them. I don't give a damn who you are. Yep. Everybody wants somebody it can be your father. When you're 60, it could be your mother. It could be your brother. I don't give a damn. Yep. Everybody wants it. And I believe that my whole life,
1: man, leaders create more leaders, not more followers. I tell you, um, let me ask you this. Uh, I got a, I, I, as a coach, you know, I look into coaches. I ask people all the time. I said, Hey man, tell me, I would tell my assistant coaches every day. I said, who do you want to go talk to in the country? If you could go speak to anybody, of course, every coach, Nick Saban, Nick Saban. And I said, I wouldn't want to see Nick Saban. I won't want to see Gino Ariyama. I go, I want to see somebody that. Has been different. Because it's easy to be fucking average. It's hard to be different. And this guy is a guy. A man in a woman's world. Who has dominated the sport. And you have to be. Somewhat innovative. And an outside the box thinker. To create different avenues. As a man in a woman's game. Um, Even though I know it's a man's world out there. A lot of women in the chat here. We always have that conversation. But. um, My question is. Bill Parcells, Coach K, Bob Knight, all West Point men. Is there a reason that they've had seller careers? And is that the common denominator being West Point men and being disciplined and understanding uh, the difference between right and wrong and understanding a bad apple? One bad apple could ruin the whole batch. Um, all those three men have been great ones. All his iconic, um, regardless of what anyone else thinks, um, you know, do you think all those those three all share that common denominator or did they all have their own deal? I know they all had their own um, deal as far as how they how they got through the players and everything like that, but but the discipline part of it, don't you think that's pretty much the shared deal there?
2: <laughs> yeah, I think a couple things. I I, I think they, they, they're West Point men at different levels. K went through the whole West Point thing. You know what I mean? He went through being a plebe, he went through being all that stuff. Knight got there, went through basic training to get to coach for Tate lock and parcells did the same thing uh i got to know all three obviously i worked for bobby knight they're all very very similar in that they can really break things down in a common sense way the discipline part of it that each of them have is also what you're talking about coach very 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 similar there is a saying you know what what is uh coaching well what is discipline well they all say the same thing, doing what needs to be done and doing it that way all the time. You know, not sometime. You know, winning is not a sometime thing. Winning is an all the time thing. <laughs>
1: all the time. And,
2: yeah, and it doesn't matter if I'm in the dorm room and you know, I'm sneaking a pizza and I'm a fat guy that isn't supposed to have a pizza or I'm smoking weed or I'm not going to class or whatever the hell it is. I'll tell you a story about percent parcells though. Parcells and Bill Belichick, when he was his assistant, used to come to Bloomington when I was an assistant for Coach Knight. They would come coach during the combine. So they'd spend a couple days. And what would happen is Coach Knight and I would basically at 10 o'clock every morning go down to this locker room/slash film room we had and we'd watch film all morning. Well, Parcells and Belichick would be there. Coach, I gotta get you, I gotta get you a mental picture of this. So Parcells weighed about 300 pounds, whatever the hell it is, right? Belichick was a young guy with the feathered hair. Well, around, I don't know, noon, 1 o'clock, everybody was going to lunch. And Parcells said, no, nah, I don't want to go to lunch. I want to work out. And he said, hey, Danny, hang out with me. I said, great, man. Bill Parcells, right? Coach, I'm telling you. My man, so and Belichick leave. Parcells puts on these, you remember bike shorts? Bike shorts. Oh, I was about to say the bike shorts. Your nuts are showing. Yes. My man puts on some bike shorts and this T-shirt from IU, and he got bigger tits than Raquel Welch back in the day, man. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Listen to this, Coach. So my man, you know what a Schwinn Aerodyne bike is? Hell yeah.
1: Hell yeah.
2: So that's what we got. Parcells wheels this bike out of our deal into the little area in front of our locker room, just a little bottom of a stairs area. He says, hey, Danny, grab a seat and sit with me. All right? Coach, Bill Parcells is working out on this bike. But I'm sitting there. You know what he's doing while he's working out? He's smoking a cigarette.
1: Oh, shit.
2: working out, puffing a heater. I'm laughing my ass off. And he's telling me how the running back at Indiana, Anthony Thompson, can't play in the NFL. And he was right. <laughs> but, hey, if you ever see a dude working out, smoking a cigarette, let me know. Because I've never seen it since.
1: Man, I've seen it in the hood a few times. It's it's classic. I've seen some of my, yeah. my, my boys' dads do it. Uh, it's fucking hilarious. Let, let me ask you this. The, did the softness... Of what you saw turning by the kids, administrators, etc., like kind of like your your president story at West Virginia, did that more or less get you out of coaching, or was it the fact that you said, "I'm fucking, I'm tired of chasing jobs. I'm gonna get into something else"?
2: You know what? I got lucky. I I got. Um, I called a friend of mine when I didn't know if I wanted to coach. He always said that I should get in the media, and you know, coach life works out, right? Sometimes yes, sometimes no. But I called him and I go, look, he always said I should get the media. He was running uh, the biggest radio station in the Midwest, 50,000-watt station. He goes, hey, you should. By the way, we got a slot open from 10 until 1 coming up at the end of the summer. He goes, I want you to have the job. You just got to come up here and you got to, you know, audition so i went up there i auditioned for a week and he said you got the job well i'm doing the job coach i got so lucky i still thought i wanted to coach but i'm doing the job and then all of a sudden uh i get asked hey would you be the color commentator for the butler i think it was butler davidson game for this little christian station i said yeah cool i'll do it so i do it i'm walking out of the gym I look at my phone, there's an 860 number, and I answer it, and the guy goes, hey, Dan, this is Dan Steer. I'm the head of talent for ESPN but College Basketball. I just watched your game. What do you do? I go, well, I, I do a radio show. Uh, he goes, all right. He goes, I want to hire you at ESPN. I go, okay. He goes, but I can't hire you this year. Don't sign a contract with anybody else. Don't tell anybody until the final four. I'm going to come to Indy for the final four. We're going to sit down and you, I have the deal. You're going to work at ESPN. Coach, I got lucky, man. So I started working at ESPN. They gave me the biggest games Tuesday, Saturday. The radio show took off. Next thing you know, I'm making more money than I ever made in my life. Uh, My good friend, uh, Urban Meyer and I coached together. We were uh, next. I, that was a
1: question of mine. I, 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 that was my next question. Cause I literally wrote it down here. I, I, I want to show it to you so badly. Were you at Bowling Green with him?
2: Yeah, we, we were, we became really good friends. In fact, we probably text, you know, I don't know. Every Sunday I'd go over, he'd come over at my house and we would go talk coaching. But he calls me, he goes, man, are you going to get back into coaching?" coach? And I go, Urban, they're kind of making this thing pretty good. And I don't have to jack around. So, yeah, Urban, Urban to me, I'll never forget this, Coach. Urban comes on his visit to Bowling Green. I'm already the head coach, and we're having success. We won the first conference championship since 83, all this kind of stuff. And he's, he kicks the athletic director, and he kicks the uh, guy, the assistant athletic director. He goes, hey, look, can Dan and I just talk alone? So we talk, and I swear to you, Coach, I left that meeting. I called the AD. I go, if you don't hire this guy, you're an idiot. I go, this is the best. So he gets hired and he moves in right behind me and we become friends. So I go to his first practice and coach, I'm telling you, I watched kids work harder than i would ever seen them work in their lives and love it. I mean, love it. Like, not like it, love it. And about a year later, the Indiana job came over open and I knew all the people there. I called the vice president at IU. I said, hey, man, this is the best coach I've ever seen, including Bobby Knight. Like, this is the best. You got to hire him. And the guy treated me like shit. He said, nah, we got our guy Jerry DiNardo. Jerry used to coach. It. I'm like, all right, okay. So when Urban started winning national championships, I would send the articles to the guys at Indiana, right? I'll be like, "Hey, how's Donardo doing?" And Donardo's <laughs> a great guy. Yeah, yeah. Admire. So, so. Hey, I, I tell people uh, all the time. I used to, I
1: used to deal with Urban when I was coaching. He was, he was at Bowling Green actually, and then uh, we would talk offense when he'd come recruit California JUCOs. And uh, then when he got the Utah job, um, we would talk frequently as well in the recruiting business, but. Um yeah, I always say, man, I, I, I put him right there with Saban and, and Pete Carroll. Those three are the best college football coaches in my era, uh, period. Um and I think Urban wins every time everywhere he goes. I mean it is it is what it is, but you know, everyone has their own fucking uh outlook on everything. So, you know let me ask you something, man, I want to get into something before I get you out of here. What What's your take on this fucking Deshaun Watson deal? Let me give you my take. I don't know if you've heard my take; it's pretty controversial. Uh, it it got out there. I got a source that that knows him and uh, and some a couple guys. Basically, they told me the motherfucker has a micro penis. So, <laughs> the micro penis thing is a big deal to me. This is why, Coach. I think that there are such things as the president of West Virginia, who just fucking sat there and pounded the table on you, who sat above you, because he has a thing we call small dick syndrome, (laughs) and small dick syndrome people are inferior to uh, people like us, and that's why they want to sit above us on a fucking pedestal, right? Well it makes perfect sense when I heard it, I had to say it on my show and I'm like, I got a daughter coach. So I got a daughter and I'm like, when you recruit like you and I have forever and coach and been around, you kind of start to become a judgment of character. You can, you can look at things and see things and, and, uh, I just see through the motherfucker. I see bullshit every time he speaks. And I'm like, okay, he may not be a rapist. and Use the R word. That's probably why he's not in jail, because no woman has used that word. But there are such things as groomers and uh, and predators and other things. And I just... I Marcellus Wiley, good friend of mine, we grew up together. He's going to be on the show next week. On, on He's on Fox, you know. Uh, speak for yourself. Oh, yeah. And... He, he he he. Me and him have the same ideologies as, as you do, and we're like, we're like, dude, you don't have a hundred women, sixty nine women, seventy women, whatever it is. Um, but now that you have a small dick syndrome and a and a, and a, and a micro penis, it makes fucking perfect sense, right? Because that fucks with your psyche, don't it? But they hey, trade Baker know. Mayfield. They traded him today, coach. Oh,
2: uh. huh? they traded Baker today. What's happening? I think this, I think that uh, I don't disagree with any of what you said. I don't know, but I know this. When's the last time you got a massage and you made the masseuse cry? When's the last time you got a massage and you had to bring a a non-disclosure agreement? Hey, look, I'm going to go get a massage, but hold on. Here's a non-fucking-disclosure agreement. Are you out of your mind?
1: Now, coach, like, hold on. Now, let me stop you. Do you think this is my new new fucking theory here? Do you think the non-disclosure is because they don't release? He has a micro penis. <laughs> I'm telling you now, that could
2: be something going on now. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm not going to lie to you, coach. I I was waiting for your what you thought, but I didn't see that one coming. I ain't gonna lie. I did not see the micro penis, <laughs> Coach. Hey, Coach. I'm gonna be honest. I got women in the chat here, and they actually
1: showed video. They pulled. They went and pulled up pictures and video, and I'm like, "Hey, man, looks like a damn. It looks like a, a vagina to me." I'm just be honest with you. It looks like a fat monkey. It looks like a vagina. All the women are like, "Hey, there's no. I don't see nothing."
2: Nah, So let me let me flip the script on you. So, because you're saying he has a micro penis, what does that have to do with these women saying that he did whatever that he did with them?
1: So he's a. He's got low peer. He's got very, very low self-esteem. And I think it's fucks with his psyche. So what happens when you are these type of people? One of the girls in the chat here is actually a social worker. What happens when you have these? And I've actually coached kids like this. What happens is, coach, you get these, uh, you got this, you get this ailment. And what happens is you have to find the one that, um, accepts you. And so what you do is you you strengthen numbers, Coach. You're fucking bringing them all in. You're bringing them all in to see which one is actually okay with your little wee-wee. And, and you know, I don't know how we got on this conversation, Coach, but goddamn it. The, hey, I, it makes perfect sense to me why he's had so many and why are they in a fucking desolate hotel room somewhere and why are they not just, you're fucking worth $100 million and you're Deshaun Watson. Good-looking brother. Uh, uh, you, I'm sure you can get some pussy anywhere you want to go. And why is it such a difficult task uh, when it comes to this massage therapy thing? I just don't see it. Um, and, 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 it, and it blows my mind when the people, I got friends of mine defending this fucking predator, weird fuck. And I'm just like, hold up, man. You're defending a dude because a, you either don't have a daughter or B, um, you You're putting it on this whole Well, Ben Roethlisberger Look at what happened there And I said, listen, man You you guys, we gotta stop with the whole black and white thing I said, wrong is wrong And idiots come in all shapes, sizes, and fucking colors And I said, I sit there and tell these cats every day um, Dude, the dude is a predator Look at him Like, I'm just telling you I've been around this shit too long I'm like, there's no fucking way this dude didn't do something Now, he may not have been a illegal, felon, rape, or use that horrible word, but he, he's done something to where, okay, you know, you don't have 70 fucking masseuses. I don't give a shit where you are. I'm going to fucking just chill with one. I, I, I'm i good with one. And, 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 and coach, nobody brings this up though. When you're in the NFL or in the NBA or Major League, and I, and I had a cup of tea and all that, do you know that the most, requ- the most requested masseuse in the NFL are men? Because they're actually the ones getting it out of you and getting your muscles actually worked out. Why hasn't a man ever been contacted by Deshaun Watson in an NFL locker room where they actually do the work? Like, why is it a fucking hotel room with, with, with fucking Instagram models? Like, get the fuck out of here, man. Uh, I don't know, cause I think it weighs on his psyche. Um, having a small dick, I, I don't know. I mean, hey, I wouldn't know. You
2: I, know I hear I'm you. Saying? I'm the same hey, way. I, I, I like to I mean, I wouldn't know about that. <laughs> Hell, I got the other problem. You hey, 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 this is the thing too, Coach. I tell everybody. Everybody <laughs> wants to
1: talk about Google. I said, well, fucking, if you Google me, I got a 12 inch dick around, and I'm worth a hundred million dollars.
2: Yeah. Hey, that's exactly right. If you know what, if I when I I got divorced and when I was on a, if I should have gone on a dating site, that's what I would have put. That's it. That's it. <laughs> hey, people, I can't help you. It's just who I am. That's all I can say. That's don't, it. Don't hurt. You. Don't throw your back out trying to lift it up.
1: Uh, <laughs> Hey, what's your take? What's your take on the Britney Griner deal? I have my own take, but like my whole thing is real short and sweet. Don't do the crime if you can't do the time. I don't know. Uh, I guess LeBron takes a lot of uh, heat because apparently today they've all came out and said if it was LeBron James, he would have already been back home. Um,
2: I, you know, I don't know. I just with- I don't think it's black, white, female star. I think it's timing. I think Britney Griner. At first, I'm like, look, you did a dumbass thing. You're gonna you're gonna have to pay. But now we're five months in. Did you know this? I had a defense attorney tell me only one percent of criminal trials in Russia end in an acquittal. So she has a ninety-nine percent chance of going to jail for 10 years. Even if she is acquitted, unlike the United States, the government has the right to appeal. That acquittal. Look, I think this, Coach. I don't know your politics, but I know I know Donald Trump got those guys from UCLA out. And I understand it's shoplifting, not drugs. I understand it's China, not Russia. But the timing of Brittany griner you think about it. She does whatever she does. And there are some people don't think even that she didn't even do what she did. But it's at a time when the United States, Joe Biden is weak as hell. Everybody knows he's weak as hell. He... Then gave 14 billion dollars to the Ukraine, who, oh by the way, is fighting a war against who? Russia. So Brittany Griner's in there now. She's a big piece to this. If 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 the if Russia decides, hey, look, this is a bargaining chip. I heard today from her people that they were all told. Her wife said that they were all told to be quiet because the more you talk the bigger the cost was going to be to get her out. I think most people are now fed up, and I'm kind of with them, Coach. Look, all right, if she did wrong, she got to do some time, fine. But we're talking about right now, we're five months moving towards six months, I in a trial that's 99% sure to get her in jail for 10 freaking years. I think, it, again, I don't know anybody's politics. I just know what happened. You can't. You, you said it earlier. You got to be a little bit crazy. You got, but control yourself. I think the fact that Trump was crazy made people very nervous, wanting to do what was right, not necessarily what was right, but what he wanted just to avoid the crazy. I think this guy's weak as hell. I understand he's dealing with a lot of stuff, but I think Brittany Griner is in one hell of a bad spot because of that 99% uh, conviction rate in russian courts i I, and look 10 years for bringing a vape pen i don't know man i i yeah that's a hell of a penalty and people can go different ways and i'm not mad at anybody that has any opinion other than mine i get it i'll tell you this coach god damn there's a lot of people i bring this up on my show and there's a lot of people that are like screw it keep her ass in jail she's anti-american Look, one of the great things about being in America is that you can say, "I'm not going to stand for the flag." You can say that because of our—we uh, fought for freedom. But I also say this: I bet you Brittany Griner and her people get a little more respect for the freedoms that we do have here in the United States. I'll bet your ass on that.
1: Oh, there's no doubt. There's no doubt. No doubt about it. I,
2: yeah, I, I don't know. I, you know, my thing is like.
1: I wouldn't have fucking done the dumb shit in a country like Russia from the gate. That's just me. Like I'm not going over there
2: fucking with nothing because I don't know the fucking country and their rules. So oh, you ever see you ever see the movie Midnight Express? Hell yeah, yeah. That hey everybody in my neighborhood, their parents made them see Midnight Express because they all knew we were dumbasses. They all knew we were capable of stupid shit, and they all knew you watch that movie. Uh, you ain't doing nothing in a foreign country. I go to a foreign country, man, even on the Audubon, the one time I went to Germany, I go 45, man. I'm not giving anybody a damn reason to pull my sorry ass Hey,
1: say, man, my, one of my best friends growing up, man, never came back from Mexico. Never to this day has been seen again. I'm like, fuck. I don't go over there to fuck around. Like, I'm going in and out. Like, I'm not doing no dumb shit, but it is what it is, man. Um, all right, so... So, are you are you a whiskey guy, tequila guy, what vodka?
2: Keep yes, yes, yes. Uh.
1: <laughs> <laughs> my type of man. My type I, of man. I got to send you my bottles, man. I'm sending you my bottles today.
2: I'm gonna send you my address. I'll pay for them. I don't need nothing free, but I'll 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 put them on the, right here on my desk on the show.
1: Oh right man, here. let's do it. Let's do it. Thought, pa- Pat Maxby did it for me for a long time, so I got I gotta get. I got to get you a bottle and you got, I'll, I'll send you a couple. You got to try them, um, and tell me the truth. Cause it, you know, the I truth, will. the truth hurts a lot of folks, but I like the truth, man.
2: Um, Pat Mac lives right down the street. He lives in one of them big ass houses.
1: Right oh here. man. I know. It's
2: unbelievable. He is a funny dude and I love that man. We're oh, pretty pretty yeah. Good. It's awesome. Oh, yeah. awesome. Oh yeah. Oh So you live right. You, you, are you in that? You're outside of nap too. I'm right in Indy. Yeah. Okay. I live in Indy. Uh, I I mean not well, I don't live downtown but our address Yeah uh, yeah. andy Pat lives Pat lives in a it's kind of a cool it's on the corner on 79th Street. Uh he you know there's a famous radio show, Bob and Tom. They've been on for years all across the country. And he lives in like I call it the commune. He's got a house here. Uh Bob's got a or Tom, I don't know, whichever one, got a house here. They got this whole area and uh Big Lake. Uh, I think they got a – I don't know yeah, what they, they got. got they got a lake. They got a lake right over them. I'll tell you Pat Mack story. You ready? Yeah. So, McAfee is going out to ESPN. And I didn't know he was going, but I was headed out there. So, my man McAfee, we see each other uh, on a layover in Atlanta. So, I'm sitting there. One of my deals with ESPN is has got to fly me first class. So, I'm sitting there. McAfee comes up, and he changes seats. He sits next to me. We talk the whole time. We get there. He's got bags. I don't have any bags. And I'm like, I'll drive you. Let's go. And it's about a 45-minute drive, right? So freaking McAfee, we're driving, and it's late, and I'm going like 95. And I'm not paying attention. All of a sudden, the car starts smelling like skunk. But it ain't a skunk. It's McAfee's vitamins, for Christ's sake. Vitamins. Dude, you're sitting in here puffing as I'm going 95. So, <laughs> hey, Coach, we're in Hartford, Connecticut. Okay, we get you got to go through Hartford to get to ESPN. He sees it's called the Hartford Garden. He looks at me. He goes, "Hey Dan, is the Hartford Garden where the Boston Celtics play the Boston Garden?" I go, "No, dumb shit. It's the Hartford freaking." That's the smartest man in radio right there. Pat Freaking man! Hey, he's
1: motherfucker's my- a goddamn unicorn now, ain't
2: he? I love him. Oh, man. Hey, he
1: hit me up. So I, he, uh, you, retwe- you tweeted that I'm coming on your show the other day. Pat texted me. He goes, listen, fix your fucking TV because he's a whiskey guy, and the whiskey's so fucking hard to see. I go, I know, man. I can't get my fucking TV behind me to fucking look right. And Pat's been telling me that shit forever, so... Uh hey man, nobody sells shit better than Pat. Nobody. Oh, uh, no-, no doubt. No doubt, man. He's got the niche, man. He's got the niche for it, man. It's it's unbelievable, man. I I don't know, man. We're we're in some tough times, coach, man. I, shit, I, it was good reading up on you and, and knowing you were a coach and all that stuff, man. I'm trying to get Frank Martin on the show. He followed me on Twitter the other day and I reached out to him. I said, man, it'd be great to get you on. Apparently, uh, him and the head coach of New Mexico, uh, basketball coach, just hit me up too. I'm trying to get both of them on. I guess, I, I think he's a Frank Martin guy or something. So, Who's the, the I don't know. Uh, let me see. I'll tell you right now. Um, you know Frank
2: at all? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. How's he? Lo- you'd love him.
1: I figured. Frank,
2: I figured. Frank is arguably America's greatest human being, at least what I say. I love Frank. Yeah, I've known Frank a long time. Frank comes on a show. Does he? Suits it straight. He's uh, he's your kind of guy. You'd love having Frank on. I don't think I know the coach. Of, oh, I know the coach. Patino's kid at, at New Mexico. Yeah, 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 yeah. Is yeah.
1: it Patino's kid? Wait, uh, let me yeah. see. No, yeah, it's was- uh, it's Dave.
2: I don't know that one. And I know all the vitches, brother. I figured, I, I figured, I figured, I
1: figured this is, Pilo- I might be butchering his name, by the way. Pily Pilipovich? Pilly Oh, Pilly
2: uh, Dave Filipovich? Yep. He's not the coach in New Mexico. He okay. might be an assistant
1: coach there.
2: I know Dave real well. Okay. Is he assistant there or something? He could be. He was a head coach at Air Force for a long time.
1: Okay, he just followed me. That's why I was
2: wondering. I thought figured. He, uh, so Patino's at New Mexico. Richard Patino Jr. Or Richard Patino. Yeah, Richard Patino Jr. Yep. He's oh, there, okay.
1: Coach. Okay, got you. So man, I gotta I gotta get out there and see. You. I gotta come see Pat and him anyway, man. So I gotta come. I gotta come uh, out there and see anytime. you. So
2: you hit me anytime, brother. Hey, if let I'm me gonna...
1: ask you something. A lot of people in the crowd are asking. Do you think? Do you see Deshaun playing this year, Watson? I don't. No,
2: I don't either. No. I don't either. No, I I, uh, I, just don't see it. You know what I'm disappointed in? I'm disappointed in the women of Cleveland. Like, look, you know, we're protesting everything, and the women of Cleveland, I haven't heard, they have a writer named Mary Kay Cabot. I haven't heard Mary Kay Cabot say anything. Hell, Condoleezza Rice, nope. she even said, well, you know, I'm going to wait till everything comes out. That's great, but that's not how the world works for most people. I, no doubt. When- you're right you ain't lying
1: about that man. I I wonder though if Cleveland got wind of something because I I thought seriously my thought was they were holding on to um, Baker so in case this thing went sideways. And I think they must have got wind of something that it's only going to be a 6 to 10 game deal. Maybe they'll get him back and they'll roll with uh whoever the fuck's there. Um I don't know. I don't know. I'm curious to see it. Uh, see how it plays out, man. But it's a shitty deal, man. You got you can bet on fan FanDuel fifteen hundred dollars get put out a whole year. But uh, you know, is, that what it is no, that's what happened with the with the receiver for Falcons.
2: Uh, oh, Rid- oh yeah, yeah, Ridley. That was look. I understand they don't want betting, but that's just bullshit. Aw. Calvin Ridley putting a, a parlay out on an off day when he's not playing. I get it. I know. it. I've been in NFL locker rooms. It's right there. I understand that. But you got to have a little common sense, don't you, if you're in the NFL? I mean, just a little freaking common sense. And you're making billions off of fucking DraftKings and FanDuel right. anyway. Right. You and- got a team, in Vegas. You know what? I, I. You're right. You're making billions. I mean, I'm telling you, they're all lined up. And if, and if DraftKings doesn't want it... Fanduel will pay for it. If Fanduel don't want it, Bet Rivers will pay for it. Shit, are you
1: kidding me? And, but the thing is, though, what's fucked up is, uh, you know, but you can hit a you can hit a girl or hit a lady or woman or massage whatever, and you'll be okay. We're still going to evaluate the system.
2: But you bet fifteen
1: hundred dollars. They gave that motherfucker a year in like two
2: days. There was no thinking about it. There was nothing. They just saw it, got it, did it, and adios. Not a kid. I think that's bullshit. I, I yeah. I,
1: I, it's, it's it's fucked up but hey man it's been a pleasure man i'll come on your show anytime and uh, we'll hook up i got to get out there i got to get you out west man you come out to the yankees uh, I meaning the yankees uh, i am a yankee in california come out here man and we'll uh i'll give you a good cigar and uh, a bourbon
2: that's my that that might be what i'm gonna do right now <laughs>
1: <laughs> no doubt thank. no doubt hey i appreciate you brother thank you all right brother later um man good dude good dude right there good dude um hey we're just talking shooting the shit i really didn't have any you no know, questions for him man i did have a question i wanted to know if he co- if he coached uh, urban cuz i know they were Bowling green together um obviously they did so that was good talk there um but uh man we're 3 hours in i have to break some bad news to you guys you fine folks out there um this is the deal i wanted to make it a good show today because I will not be available tomorrow or Friday um, for the simple fact that I have to. I'm a one-man band, like I said, man. I have a lot of people coming to my event this Saturday. I have to get ready for. Um, I got my managers and management team and marketing team flying in. Uh, I have to get ready um, to. Uh, to. Uh, I got to fucking prep the shit out of this thing, man. So I got to go. Get ready for that, and it's gonna take me two days, man. So I'm gonna. This will be my mini vacation, man. Before I get back going next Monday, merciless Monday. Uh, I just I want to. That's the bad news. Here's the good news. Okay, the good news is this: the show is growing. We're gonna to continue to grow it. But listen, this is the good news. If anybody liked the Zach Smith segment last week, the former Ohio State coach, um. Get used to seeing him because he's going to be on my show every Monday for Menacing Monday. His show is called Menace to Sports. Um, I told him, I said, I have no issue. Let's call it Menacing Monday. Me and him will fucking menace everybody. We will be on for an hour together every Monday. Um, And uh, that is going to be the new addition to this show. So we're gonna not only prep for my big vodka release party that we're having with um, some some comedians, some famous Netflix comedians. Um, I think Marcellus, a few other people are coming out. Um, we're gonna have that going on this weekend. So I'm gonna prep that the rest of the week. So I appreciate the understanding. But Zach Smith will be on every Monday, Menacing Monday, um, for that, um, and uh, it'll be uh, it'll be great. It'll be. Some great segments there, and then we'll continue to have people like uh, Dan on and uh, and Braden man and uh, good people like that. So appreciate everybody. And then I haven't forgotten anything about it. I told you I don't commit to something that I'm not going to do it. So as long as uh, Wido and, and Hector are still all in, um, I'm going to still we're going to still do the Wild and Wednesdays uh, with Wido and Hector. We're going to do uh, betting on Friday. So I'll have to call Hector and, and, and Wido, let them know. We'll be back on next week, Wido, next Friday and Wednesday, uh, Wido and Hector. And then uh, we'll get that going. So um, appreciate everybody coming in, man. And I'm going to get out of here, get this show uploaded, and uh, get ready to get this whole house ready to go for this party. And i uh, got to go get people from the airport and et cetera. So much love. I'll see you back on Monday, 1 p.m. Pacific, Menacing Monday with Zach Smith. And we're going to talk all things real and uh, appreciate you guys. And I will see you guys um, on Monday. Appreciate it. See you guys then. Peace.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: I'm in my mode, ready to transform you in the I hate a storm. Hell, Mary's, I make it for Good ain't lions. You little giants. We've been defying. Price. Price.